welcome to the 229th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week, in case this isn't enough. I just recently was talking about the 2012 Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction and David Aha. I, I think I might take put a pause on comic book talk and talk about a classic movie this week. Uh, I haven't. I'm not 100% committed, but I think it's going to happen. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com/gmanfromheck. All right, this week there's kind of there's kind of a lot to talk about. I'm gonna be like super brief on something because there's almost there's almost like too much to talk about. You know, I'm like uh, some of the CW shows have come back, and I'm not gonna really dive that deep into. I'm be straight up like Naomi and Legends Tomorrow. I'm not gonna do full on coverage. I'm just gonna be super super brief, like maybe a couple minutes if that. But um, we do have the the second half of season four of Cobra Kai, so that's going to take me a while because I can't shut up. There's a lot for me to talk about with Dexter, the series finale of Dexter New Blood, and then Book of Boba Fett, uh, Superman Lois came back, and then I'm going to talk about the Scream movie, which um, it's always hard because with the movies, I don't know what it is. TV shows, I'll talk about spoilers, but with the movies, I don't want to talk about spoilers. And I think the difference is with the TV shows, you're probably if, – if you want to watch it, you're going to watch it right away. You know, there there's, could be something like maybe Cobra Kai. Maybe you haven't gotten around to it yet, but you plan to. But with, with like, some of the regular TV, I feel like, okay, if you want to watch it, if you don't want spoilers, you know, you can skip this section or maybe you're just okay with spoilers. Or maybe, you know, you don't have time to watch it, but you are curious what's what happened. But with the movies, especially now, I understand some people can't make it to theaters, or maybe your theater's not open, maybe your theater's not showing, you know, certain movies because they're limited or whatever. So I and I, I really want the movies to do well. I want them to make as much money as they can, so they can be as successful as they can, so we can get more movies. That's my thing. Even though. Right now, I'm sure you could go online and you can find like detailed description of, of everything that happened in the movie. I just have a hard time giving into that or, or taking part, encouraging that, even though you know some people just just really like that. So you have that. And I'll just note right now, uh, Peacemaker. So the first three episodes are out as you listen to this. I think I'm going to save this for next week for two reasons. One, because there's a lot for me to talk about this week. And two, this kind of selfish reason is there's not a movie coming out this week. There's not like a big theatrical movie that that, that I'm aware of. So I think Peacemaker is going to be next week's big feature. And as I record this, I've watched the first episode and, and I, I did enjoy it. So there's your little little preview so, and, and this way you can get a chance to, to catch up if, if you do have HBO Max and, you know, you, you want to watch that. It's, um, that first episode it was it was very interesting. But let's talk about the news. Uh, the first news is a, a bit of a bummer. Why the Last Man? It's officially dead. It, it's not coming. We know the show was canceled. 
we were all hoping that it would get picked up somewhere. But the showrunner, Liza Clark, she apparently she went to t- on Twitter and and she says, for those of you who've been asking me, we tried really hard to get another platform to pick up season two of why. But sadly, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's always incredibly difficult to move a show. And in recent years, it has only gotten harder. And she goes on saying how, you know, they they had a lot. Um, so we, we had a lot more stories to tell and kick ass pitch for season two. That included new twists on some of the best stories from the book. Astronauts, anyone? Which, uh, again, think about that. So she's, you know, she's really bummed and, you know, she worked with a lot of people and great people and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's a bummer. And I'm I'm assuming the main thing is is the money thing is aspect of it, because I know nothing about Hollywood. It's just from what little I I picked up reading different things here and there. But I feel like things have been established. So to bring actors over, you know, you have to you have to work with what their original contracts were. So you can't just say, yeah, we're going to bring the show over, but um, you're going to have to take a salary cut. Because one, I don't know if they can legally do that, and or you know, because it's also a matter of, of you know, what the contracts are. So I think I think you're kind of locked in with what you have to have to pay. The other question would be, okay, so if you have like let's 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 think about all the crew, and besides the actors, you know, because some actors may choose not to come back, or maybe they're not available, and you know, maybe to recast. And but what about like the crew? What about like the the cameramen, the sound people, the stunt people, you know, all all. The, all the, the, the thousands, I don't even know how many people, all the people behind the scenes, all the people in the credits that, that no one ever reads, including me, I'll admit, I'm sorry. But I wonder, are those people, is it like a package deal? Like if if HBO Max were to pick it up, do they have to bring the crew over too? Or do they just, are they just, you know, buying this the show and then the, the show, you know, and then even the showrunner, do they have to bring the showrunner? Or could they get someone else? They're already locked, you know. So I think there's a, a lot of a lot of legal uh, aspects, like little technical things that that have to be considered. And I also feel like that's a reason why some of the Netflix shows haven't been revived, you know, right away. Because I think that there there's a lot that's still attached as to you know who created. Because like this this version of Why the Last Man, even though it is based on a comic book an established comic book, you know, you have the showrunners, you know, they are the writers, they have created certain things. They've created these versions, which may be very, very, very similar to what is already established, but they get their stamp on it as well. And then I don't know. So it's, it's a bummer. It's just, um, yeah. So, so that's, we finally got word. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I, 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 yeah, I'm assuming it, it has to do with that. One bit of news that came uh, late, uh, I missed it last week when I recorded, is there's going to be a, apparently a Scott Pilgrim versus the World uh, or Scott Pilgrim anime at Netflix. I think that's really cool. If, if they capture like the, the the comic, you know, that animated style, I think that could be really good. I'm I'm been impressed with with Netflix's animated with their anime stuff. You know, like Super Crooks. I, I really, really enjoyed that. I, I thought that that was something. So I think that that would be really good because, uh, you know, I recently watched a movie and I, you know, if, if you look at the book, there's there's more that they can definitely go more in depth. So I, I think having even like an eight episode series could could be good. But like Super Crooks was like with 13 or something like that. 
So the more I say, the more the better, as as long as it's not like padded. So that that's gonna be cool. I, I can't wait for that. Uh, CW shows I, I kind of mentioned earlier. There apparently is gonna be a Diggle show. So Diggle from from Arrow, he's he's coming back. The show <laughs> shows gonna be called Justice U. And uh, I don't know what this. Uh, it's it has something to do with he's recruiting metahumans, or there's gonna be like five metahumans going undercover at, as freshmen in like a prestigious university, and I guess he's gonna be training them to be like the superheroes of tomorrow or something like that. Oh God, what what is this? This one, you know, I Diggle, you know, uh, he he's I guess he's a, he's a fine character, he's a cool character and all. But I always look back at like when he first started. If you look at like first, you know, he was he was just like a bodyguard, and then yeah, we find out that oh, he was highly trained, and you know, he was in the service, and you know, all, all this like that. But I, I just feel like he really got elevated somehow. He became like this super duper like tactician or just this hero vigilante, and because you know, for the longest time he was just like behind the scenes, and then finally he's like, oh, I'm gonna suit up too because you know that's what the show's about, and. I just feel like he just really like got elevated and it's like, you know, he doesn't have any superpowers and not that you need them, but I, I don't know. It, it just, it just sounds like something I'm not really interested in. And then there's a the whole, you know, green lantern thing. It's like, why did they throw that in the last episode of arrow and then not do anything with it? Cause, cause even when he was in that, the, the flash Armageddon uh, crossover, I feel like he didn't really add a whole lot. Like, you know, maybe he was limited how much time or distort. That that whole crossover, I don't know. It was just weird how it wasn't, it didn't feel like a full-on crossover. It was just like a five five episodes of guest stars with, with each episode kind of different. I still say, where's my Mia Queen series? You know, they brought her back. I, I would much rather see her story than... Justice you. That just sounds so. You know nothing. No, no. Again, no offense against Diggle, his character, because you know I think you could do some cool things. I don't think he should be a Green Lantern. I know a lot of people are excited about that, and they they really want that. That's not. He's not John Stewart. You know, you you can't just give him rings like, oh, he's played by a, a black actor. There's a black Green Lantern, so we're just going to do that. And like, no. And we still have that Green Lantern HBO Max show, which we haven't heard anything about. So I don't know, Justice U, what is going on? <laughs> um, Black Panther 2 is apparently resuming production. So uh, Latitia, she's uh, she's back, so that's great. Yeah, hopefully everything is back on schedule. And I just, I still wonder, like, what they're going to do. I saw uh, another uh, bit of news. Winston Duke, so he, he played, what was, it, um, 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 what was his name? I, I can't remember. Um, Hollywood Reporter just just talked about uh, he, he just got a hefty raise for his return. So Mbaku, I don't know why that doesn't sound right when I'm saying it. There is rumors that he was going to be the next uh, Black Panther. You know, there, there's also Shuri could be next Black Panther because, you know, she wasn't a comic. I just, I you know, it's still this, this tough thing. I feel... Like for the sake of the franchise, that they they should recast 
I, and you know maybe it's it's the unpopular opinion or maybe I'm the minority. What I feel like they should recast Black Panther. You know Chadwick Boseman. I mean it's a tragedy what he you know the the struggle that he went through the silent struggle and you know just the amazing job he did and, and just like all his you know recent movies. But I I feel like yeah I've said this before that the character is just so important to a lot of people. And, and you know they don't want to do like CG version, so it's it's I don't know, and I don't think it's an insult to his to the actor if they recast, but I I, I don't know I I feel like they they should and and you know maybe after a certain time period they will, but I don't know. Uh, the Batman, so the Batman got its rating. It's PG thirteen, and you know I saw on Twitter when it was trending, a lot of people are upset. You know they're like, oh, it should be R rated, and you know it's watered down, and this. It's like no, there's nothing wrong with PG thirteen movies. And you look at like, Matt Reeves, you know the the Planet of the Eight movies, they're pretty violent. You know there there's a a lot you can get away with. Uh, you know probably the main thing is there's probably not going to be f bombs dropped left or right. Who cares? You know, I, I don't think you need that. And, you know, looking at the trailer, you know, Batman was going off on, on that, that street punk guy. So I, I think there can be enough violence, you know, if, if that's what you really need. It's the rating. It's PG-13 for strong violence and disturbing content, strong language, and some suggestive material. Yeah, I don't. It's not like it's going to be a rated G movie. So I I don't know I just I don't I, I feel like ever since like Deadpool and Logan people are like everything needs to be rated R that's that's you know the important that's that's the main thing and while those movies were successful I will still argue that by making a movie rated R you're limiting your audience you're giving the you're giving it a smaller box office because there's going to be and while the movie may not be meant for little 5-year-old kids who love Batman, you know, they don't really know much about Batman or parents wanting to drag their little kids, I I feel like by making it rated R, you can't get like the the young teenage or the preteen people that, that get dropped off at the theaters. And maybe, you know, there's there's difference. Like if I go to a movie, I don't want to be sitting in a theater with a bunch of young and annoying talking kids you know if, if you want to watch a movie shut up you know i i fill up the theater with kids as long as you're quiet but when you get them all together they i don't know i do not understand the idea where people think it's cool to talk i paid 10 bucks 11 bucks 12 whatever i'm paying i did not pay to hear you you are not a comedian you are not a writer you your your little glimpses of witty banter sucks it's not funny it is not entertaining and maybe your friends might laugh but they're if they they're just as dumb as you are if they think it's funny so um i i still think that you know by by limiting that you're gonna have less kids because i think when i saw what movie was it recently might have been resident evil there were some kids that that got kicked out before the movie started you know usher came in and he's like hey how old are you guys and they're like 16 which they, I don't even, they probably weren't 16. They probably got dropped off. They probably didn't, didn't even have a license. They didn't say 17, but they're like 16. And, and Usher's like, you got to be 17. So they, they had to get their money back. And at that, you know, that, that sucks if it's like that close. 
and, and the the movie, you know, Resident Evil, okay, there is violence, there's and, and but but their movies have a ratings for a reason, and I feel like like that right there, especially when. I the screening I went to was virtually empty. I think with those three leaving, there's like maybe only two or three other people in the theater with me, which was fine with me. But you know that that affects the box office, and you know if you can't get these people, if you can't fill up. Anyways, PG thirteen for Batman. So we so we have that. Speaking of Batman, Leslie Grace, who's gonna be playing Batgirl in HBO Max. It's a movie, right? Not a series. It's a movie. She, uh, on, on her Instagram or whatever, uh, showed her costume. And it's very Batgirl of Burnside-esque. With, and it, it looks good and everything. But I can't help but my first, very first glimpse when I saw that, I'm like Batman 66. You know, it, it looks like the, the classic. Uh, and and I think part of it, uh, yeah, I, I love the, the look at a costume and everything. I'm glad that they included the yellow on the inside of the cape. But I don't know if that works live action. I, I don't know how that's going to be if it's if it's going to be too bright, you know, when you're hiding in the shadows or, I mean, there. We'll see. But I mean, it 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 looks good. I, I'm glad that they actually went with like, as as a comic book fan, as a and a fan of the character, I'm glad they went with like her actual look and didn't give her just like a generic like black leather outfit or whatever you know like when the x-men just got all like leather out you know black outfits rather because the costume looks you know don't always translate well but you want them to you know honor that so it's it's that fine line and it looks like they can carry it off so that that could be interesting um, speaking of uh, other shows, maybe canceled or coming back, or whatever. Modoc and Hitmonkey, so season two. Uh, Hulu, they they don't even know what's going on. They're like it's up to Marvel, so they don't know if Marvel is going to allow them to continue. So Marvel Studios, you know, Hitmonkey and Modoc were not from Marvel Studios. They were, you know, pre-production before this whole shift happened. And like Howard the Duck and then Tiger and Dazzler, which I still don't understand why those two were paired together. I'm so curious, you know, what they're going to do. But they allowed these two, you know, whether they were further along in production, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's just let's just go ahead. I would like to see season two, both of them, you know, especially, you know, more so MODOK. I really loved the MODOK show. I thought it was hilarious. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, Hitmonkey did, did grow on me. You know, I, I did enjoy it. So Marvel Studios might be like, yeah, that's not, you know, our official whatever. So we don't want to, you know, promote it or anything. So that would be a bummer if that's the case. Uh, you know, not everything needs to be, you know, 616 or pure. And I don't think those shows, you know, would fit on, on Disney Plus. You know, they, they are, you know, and, and the thing is Disney owns Hulu, right? So it's it's still their production is just a different studio. I don't. I don't understand. Just just do it. Um, speaking of Disney, uh, Laura Donnelly. So you may know her from The Nevers. She was also in Outlander and you know, she's in other things. So she was a uh, I forgot the character's name because it's been a while, but she was the she was the main one in, in The Nevers. She is going to be in that Disney Plus Halloween special, which I think is basically Werewolf by Night. I don't know if they're officially calling it that or not. And it's not really clear who who she's going to be playing or what she's going to be playing. I think the rumor is she's going to be playing this character. I think her name is Nika something I don't remember, but she was a uh, 
she was a werewolf that gets bit by a vampire. So she's vampire by night, which I really don't know much about this character. But I, I guess she's like a vampire with werewolf powers or something like that. So that that could be cool. But I don't know about a werewolf. I mean, what are you going to do with this? They're, they're, I don't know. So we, we have that. I didn't click on it, but I saw it. Uh, there's, what was the... I did see a, a headline for something that there is supposedly a leak, a Star Wars leak, and there's two other shows that are being worked on or considered or developed, and they're probably not worked on yet. And so they, they leaked out. I don't know. Who was the one? There's one that I heard about, and I was like, that's that's interesting. But I don't remember. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't know. So supposedly there's two possible i'm sure if you, if you really want to know you can you know just do a search and see but these these rumors i mean sometimes people are like oh yeah a source told me it's like yeah who's your source it's like, like your little brother that you're saying okay you're going to be my quote-unquote source so i can write this article i don't know so so we'll have to see about that uh superman and lois as i mentioned is back and apparently doomsday is going to be um coming this season hmm okay i don't know if we get any hints of that in the first episode maybe but we'll, we'll see and then the last bit of news is apparently nbc is uh ordering a quantum leap reboot uh pilot nbc wants to do this uh so at first i was like is this for peacock or is this nbc I'm trying to remember. I, I know I saw the final episode, but I think apparently what happened is Scott Bakula's character never makes it back to like his his time to his wife or something like that. And um, so apparently the kind of premise of the show is like 30 years have passed and since his since Sam's disappearance. So he he hasn't you know where has he been all this time, which is interesting and. I think Scott Bakula is somewhat interested in, in returning, you know, but to be like probably like a minimal role, like, you know, how, how much, because obviously it has to be like a contract negotiation type of thing. You know, it, it would be great if they did bring him back full time, but um, it, it, so if they're going to use that aspect is like, is that going to take the main, you know, premise of the show or are they still going to try to, you know, fix the rights or the wrongs of history or whatever? And I don't know. So I, I'm kind of curious because I, I did enjoy the show. I haven't watched it in years, but it, it was always a fun show, you know. And you know, it might be Scott Bakula, you know, is or Dean Stockwell, you know. So we'll have to see. The creators are apparently executive producers, so fingers crossed. And uh, but the only problem is, you know, if it's NBC, you know, we'll, we'll see. So that is going to be the news for the week. With comic books at Image, we had Department of Truth, and while I I I loved the series, I couldn't get into this this issue, and I think part of the reason is my lame excuse when you know I'm trying to read everything, I'm trying to read too much, and sometimes that takes away from the enjoyment because it it gets to feel like work or like homework or you know it, there's just so much. And with this this episode or this episode this issue, there's there's a lot lot to read. There's a lot of text, and you know because it's like you're reading these transcripts and, and everything. So I I as I'm trying to read this, and then I start like kind of skimming over. And as I'm doing that, then I'm I'm starting to get distracted because I'm like 
I shouldn't be skimming over this because I'm sure there's like a lot of in, important information here. And it, it just, it got to be too much. And I, I know that that sounds really lame. What the issue was about, so this is according to the, the uh, synopsis, back in 1967, the Department of Truth went out to West Virginia and tried to create a tulpa of its own. 46 people died in the aftermath. See, now when you, re- you read that, um, apparently they're gonna re- this issue reveals the true origin of Mothman. So come on, that that sounds so so interesting. I got to reread it. So I I think like, you know, given time or just the afternoon when I don't have you know anything, you know, on my plate, I should just like you know read the comic again and, and give it a shot. But yeah, so it, it's just it's it's too bad. There was a comic I was I didn't read this. Um, a new comic uh, from Joe Hill called Rain. So, so the first and Chris Ryle and Ashley Woods new I see. I don't even know how you say this. S Y Z Y G Y Sizigny Publishing Imprint line of titles at, at Image Comics. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's a if if I can't. I mean, I'm a I'm a dumb dumb sometimes when it comes to saying names. But if I can't, if you can't pronounce the imprint, that's that's kind of a problem. So I need to hear what it is. On a seemingly normal August day in Boulder, Colorado, the skies are clear. A honeysuckle speck and honeysuckle speck couldn't be happier. She's finally moving in with her girlfriend Yolanda, but their world is literally torn apart when dark clouds roll in and release. A downpour of nail nail splinter, a bright colored, of jeez, I, I can't even read this. A bright crystal <laughs> that shred the skin of anyone not safely undercover. Rain makes vivid this escalating apocalyptic event as a deluge of nails spread across the country and around the world, threatening everything young lovers, honeysuckle, and Yolanda hold dear. So begins a gripping five-issue presentation of New York Times bestselling author Joe Hill. Oh, this was a Joe Hill book? Yeah, sure. You should listen to that audio book. So that sounds really, really interesting and, and all that. So I should check out that comic. I think that the big deciding factor is going to be the art. It looks like Zoe Thorogood does the art, and I'm not familiar with, with her style. So, But, but I'm definitely that, – that sounds interesting. So you can check that out. King of Spies issue two came out. This is from Mark Miller and Matteo Scalera, and um, I I I'm, I can't wait for this to hopefully get made at Netflix. As you know, that's Mark Miller's deal. I think that's brilliant. This the the whatever this deal that he made with them because you know when it comes to these books getting made, you know you have to have like the upfront production costs, and I'm sure by Mark signing on he doesn't have to worry about that you know netflix is gonna make sure that happens and you know the 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 benefit for netflix is that that gives them first dibs to adapt these things and i'm sure even you know when that happens it's not like mark miller's gonna be giving away anything because you know he's gonna be involved with that as well so you know he's gonna benefit you know he's gonna want this stuff to get made so I, I I think it's it's a really cool deal that this has happened. I'm you know so waiting for, to hear anything about the Magic Order, but I'm hoping this gets made. And there's so many Mark Miller books that I'm just looking forward to hopefully getting adapted. 
So what's going on here is we have this like a secret agent dude. He finds, you know, this, this old dude, you know, he's been active for years and years and years. He finds out that he's dying. He has six months to live. So he's basically, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna use this six months and I'm going to kill all like the shady, dirty, like untouchable people. And, you know, because like in this one, he's just he's going all off and, you know, we just get kind of glimpses, you know, boom, boom, boom. Where, you know, there's like certain people that like when an investigation would lead to them. And then things were like kind of brushed under under the rug or whatever. And he's just like, nope. So he's just going all out, and you know, it, it, no one is is safe. So it, it's it's kind of interesting. And uh, there's a the one person that they get to go after him is a uh, interesting has a connection to him. So that that's gonna be weird. Um, Spawn Scorch came out. Uh, I I got the issue. I didn't read it yet. I the first all new issue of Todd McFarlane's superhero team book. Why I'm hesitant because his members will include spawn redeemer, gunslinger, medieval spawn and she spawn with many more heroes waiting in, in the wings. Join the battle in this first issue extravaganza as the forces of heaven, hell and earth collide. So, and then <laughs> register pitch an Avengers esque ensemble of superheroes and the latest entry in spawns universe hook readers, of King Spawn and Gunslinger Spawn, as well as longtime Spawn fans. <laughs> it's weird they put that in the synopsis or what? I mean, I guess it's for like comic store people to think about. So I, I did flip through some of this and, and I just, I feel like I have no idea what's going on. I feel like so out of touch and I don't know how accessible it is. And that's what might be a, a, a turnoff for, for me and could be a turnoff for others, but I don't know. Um, Stillwater. I think I read this. Yeah, so Stillwater is, it's, um, I get a little anxious, you know, not really, you know, lightly anxious, you know, when, when you read this. And, and part of it is because things are just, they're, so in Stillwater, in case you don't remember me talking about it, which I talk about every issue, but there's this town where people are basically immortal. You know, if they, they heal and, you know, you jump off a building, you're going to, survive you know you're going to heal and get better the downside of this is the people living in town are kind of prisoners there because it, it's been agreed upon that they can't go out they the word of this can't go can't get out to other people because then other people are going to want to come in they're going to want to do experiments and you know just take away whatever and so there's recently been this uh battle for power because like the the judge and the sheriff you know they, they're really trying to keep everything in order and all that and you know there's been this like because there's this this guy that came in he got a, this letter and he was i think he was adopted and then he finds out the truth so he was like sent away as as a baby and then now he's back and now he's you know locked into this and everything so there's just a a lot with the again the power struggle and you know trying to overthrow people and things getting found out and there's just a, a lot of a lot of ugh, things going on um what's the furthest place from here issue three this is uh this has been been a, a great book matthew rosenberg uh and tyler boss and uh, so basically, this is like future post-apocalyptic world, whatever. All these kids are kind of living in, in different house families or whatever, you know, different places. And they're like, where's all the adults? You know, they're, they're, that hasn't really been clear, like what happened to them. And 
one kid, Sid, disappeared. So they don't know what happened to her. And it, she was pregnant. And it, they don't seem to be like fully aware like what that means. Like I don't know if they really knew what had happened to her, that she was pregnant and everything. But it does seem like when you turn into an adult, then you have to leave. You have to go somewhere. And it's like, but where did they go? Because this one dude came back, but then he ended up getting killed. So, you know, the the rest are trying to find out, like, where where Sid, the girl that disappeared. And, you know, they're getting fight with, with other groups. And, and so it's just, I, there's just something really fascinating about the story. I don't know what it is. And it's like the story and the art is just really great. So I, I strongly recommend that. So you should pick up those first three issues. It's just... It's 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 really good, and that's what I like. You know, when when you get a new series like that, that you know, it it, it doesn't really depend on anything else. So you know, you can easily just jump in and just get sucked into it. At DC, um, Robin's issue three. Somehow I didn't read this. I I, I, I you know I'm, I'm on the Comicsology app, and I was like, what? So I just had to download it. I'm gonna have to. Read this. This is where, this is a story where it it turns out there may have been another Robin before Dick Grayson, which I really don't like the idea of that. So, yeah, we'll have to see what what happens there. Um, Detective Comics, uh, what issue is this? Uh, 1048. So, this is the Tower Part 2. So, there's this doctor in charge at Arkham Tower. His name is Dr. Weir. Where? Where? W-E-A-R. And, you know, what's the deal with, with this 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 doctor? And, and we're obviously there's there's some secret. There's some stuff going on. And, and we, we get a couple glimpses. You know, first we see like a flashback when he was a kid. And that's meant to, to show us that he has this desire to help people, you know, because like, you know, something bad happened to him. But then it's like, well, there might be a little something more to it because it just it seems kind of kind of suspicious. They actually does it say I don't know if it says in this in the synopsis, but they they sent in someone undercover, which is uh, I'm going to just tell you it's Batwoman. So they must have created an identity because you know she's got you know false records or whatever. You know she's like interviewing to 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 work there, and then there's also one of the um, patients is someone who cl- thinks that they're Harley Quinn. And when you look at it, it's like, is that Harley? Is that not Harley? But according to looking at, at the synopsis now, it says the Bat family tries to figure out the best way to infiltrate the facility, but someone may have gotten the drop on them. Someone not unfamiliar with psychiatric facilities, one Harleen Quinzel, better known to you dear readers as Harley Quinn. So I don't know. Yeah, so it's because uh, we did see last issue like the aftermath of what's going on, like some like crazy things, you know, going going down. So I'm really interested in the story. And in the backup, the House of Gotham, it's about this is the story I didn't really like, and this I guess this makes it a little clearer. I may have missed it, but there is like a Batman, you know, Joker attacks this this guy that kind of worked for him him or worked for other people and he, he kills him i think he killed the mom too and this boy like witness it and then like batman shows up and everything but like for me i'm like why why are we getting another joker story we have way too many joker but if this was a story out of continuity in the past okay that's fine but 
yeah, so I, I, I don't know about that. Uh, Batman Urban Legends. There's a okay. There's a Batman Zatanna story. I think there's a first part where they they committed or committed. They they did this spell together, and then they something happened, and they keep every once in a while they go out and they try to reenact and do something, and um, just like this evil curse or something, whatever. But yeah, and then there's an Ace the Bat Hound story, which. I wasn't super crazy about that one, even though it was Mark Russell. And then, uh, then uh, White White Witch is that who it is? W I G H T. And I just, I I was like, who is this? I I don't even know. And it was just a weird story. So I I I, I think that's the I think that's the hard part for a series like this. I don't know how comic stores are dealing with it. And, and knowing like how many copies to order, but this was always uh, the unknown because like if you if you have a Batman comic, you know okay I have X many people that have this book on their pull list. I can order Y extra copies for people who come in that might want to pick it up. But when you have this anthology book, people might be hesitant to add it to their pull list because it might be like, well, White Witch, who the heck is that? I don't want to buy this book. You know, with the, with the prices of comics, unfortunately, you know, going up, people have to be more selective. And, you know, probably nowadays people are like, well, I'll just wait till it goes to the DC Universe app or whatever and read it later because I have no idea if, if I'm going to even like this. So I don't know, it just seems like a weird thing. I had a Joker issue 11. So this is a we kind of get some some flashback stories of, about um the, that the one i forget i don't even know that the the name i don't know what they say in here there's that that dude with like the chainsaw and like the weird mask and so we see uh about the, the samson family in texas and their agenda against joker and yeah, I, this wasn't my favorite issue, I have to say. And then there's a more backup with with uh, Harper Row and Punchline. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just maybe it was just an off week for me because it it just kind of didn't do it. How did I not read this? It looks like I think I didn't read Future State Gotham. Did I read this? No, I did actually. No, I I did did read read this and. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of losing interest with that. I liked the series when it first came out, but it's like lately it's just been. It's just been all right. I Am Batman issue five came out. I haven't been reading this, and I don't know if I should be. I feel like I should be, but it's just with the the stories that we got and just the what. So who is this? Jace, Jace Fox, Tim Jace. Uh, just like the just like attitude and, and everything. It just it wasn't really appealing to me, and I I feel like we should be reading it because we know this Batman is uh, is going to be going to New York City uh at soon at, at some point but i just i don't know it, it there's something about it that's not really grabbing me and you know there, there's also the, the fact that i'm waiting to hear like what is bruce wayne you know what does batman think about this because this is a dude that just kind of appropriated the armor and the mantle so he's just calling himself batman even though he wasn't given permission to and it's like, you know, you don't need permission to be a vigilante or, you know, to fight bad guys. But if you're calling yourself Batman, I just, I don't understand where this is going and what's happening. Titans United, 
I'm trying to enjoy this. Yeah, I, and and I think part of it is with having Superboy kind of turn evil by Blackfire. Well, you know that can make things interesting. That's not what I want to see. You know, I don't want to see Connor like that. So it makes it a little harder to want to enjoy it. But you know, that's kind of the point to keep us in suspense. You know, are are the Titans going to be able to save him and and turn him back, or is he going to always be evil forever and ever? Uh, Robin and Batman issue three. So this was uh, the last issue of of this series. And this was a uh, so this is Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. It's a black label book, and you know they're like oh, it's over forty pages, you know, oversized. And this has just been a re- really really good comic, you know, seeing when Dick Grayson was first becoming Robin. And uh, so I mean that that's if if they're trying to say that there was a Robin before Dick Grayson. It feels like it kind of takes away a little bit, you know, from all, all these stories. So I hope that that's not the case. You know, don't rewrite history. I just, it just really bugs me. But there, it, it's really interesting to see, you know, Dick Grayson coming to terms with being Robin, and just with with Batman being, you know, he's not the most emotional person. And you know, back then, you know, he was even colder than he is now so it's interesting to see like this kind of tough love or whatever how he you know he treats dick and and everything and then there's the whole i don't really understand the whole killer croc aspect where you know killer croc knew the flying graysons because he was at the circus at the same time so that just seems like a, a weird thing it's like okay what does this mean then you know does he know everyone's identities now and you know what are you going to do with this so i i just it just was a really really cool story gorgeous art and um i i want to get it the physical copies i i feel like i i should go out to my comic store and and pick those up because it's just been really good and i hope that i haven't missed these issues so i i really need to get on that batgirls issue two I'm 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 kind of on the fence with this, you know. I I like I love the characters. You know, we have Barbara Gordon, we have Cassandra Kane, we have Stephanie Brown. I mean, what more could you want? They're kind of hanging out together uh, during the Fear State stuff. Uh, Cassandra and Stephanie were framed. You know, there's a fake video that went out that made them look like they're attacking and killing people or whatever. So they're they're kind of having to work under the radar. Barbara is kind of like taking them, you know, under her wing and, and guiding them. And, you know, they have a, like a place to, that they're living. But one of the things weird is like when, when you know, because Barbara is she can't be in action all the time because of her, her spine. So sometimes, you know, she needs to take things easy. But when Stephanie and Cassandra are out, she's like, Batgirl, can you do this? And Batgirl, you do that. She's like, we got to work on under code names. But they have code names, you know. I love the fact that they're all Batgirl. I think that that's great. But yeah, it can be confusing. But Stephanie, you know, she's spoiler. Why can't they call her spoiler still if, you know, she can be Batgirl and spoiler? Cassandra Kane, does she still want to go by Orphan? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, I don't know. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying, enjoying that, that story. Um, and then there is uh, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. I wasn't super crazy about this. I tried reading it, and one with the the Legion of Superheroes. You know, I've said how I feel about them, and 
they I kind of dropped off on that series. You know, there's I feel like there's too many characters and you know, I don't know these characters. I don't care about these characters. I'm not sure if any of them are new characters or existing characters, but it's like I have no connection. And then when they come back and they're working with the Justice League, I'm not super crazy about this current Justice League. You know, we have Hippolyta, we have Black Adam. You know, it's just I don't know. I yeah, it just it just did, didn't hook me in, unfortunately. And um, I think that was it at DC. Okay, over at Marvel, Amazing Spider-Man 85. So Doc Ock is attacking Beyond Headquarters. You know, they they stole a lot of his ideas, his tech, his um, you know, whatever. When they when he was working, when he was in Peter Parker's body and establishing Parker Industries, and then beyond, you know, Parker Industries went bankrupt or whatever, they bought and they got all the stuff. So he's trying to get things back. And then, uh, you know, Ben Riley, you know, is round two, you know, he's he's mad at his, his first fight with Doc Ock. So he's, you know, trying to you know, stop him and everything like that. And Doc Ock's like, dude, this beyond, they're, they're not who you think they are. And, you know, he gives them some information. And then as to what, whether Ben is going to act on it, do anything, you know, what's what's going to happen? And there's just still is this Maxine lady. She's just she's just annoying, and you know she's just cold, and you know she thinks she's better than everyone, and it's just yeah. So she's got to go. So the, you know, she, I think she's. I feel like she's going to be the downfall of of all of this of this you know Beyond Corporation storyline. Daredevil, Woman Without Fear. So this is Chip Zdarsky, uh, Rafael de la Torre. So this is continuing Elektra being Daredevil. And it's also tying into Devil's Reign with the Kingpin. So Kingpin is basically being a, a crybaby because he found that he had a file in his secret safe and it's empty. You know, there's it's blank, and the files was supposed to have Daredevil's identity, and so the fact that he can't read it or whatever means that Daredevil manipulated his mind, and he's mad, and so he has this agenda making. You know, since he's the mayor, he's making all superheroes illegal, and and they're just like straight up, they're like going after people. It's one thing if, if like, okay, Spider-Man saves someone from a burning building, then they're going to arrest him after that because he's in action. You know, he's not registered or whatever they're, they're saying. But when they're, like, going to people's houses and, and trying to arrest them just because they, they're living somewhere, I mean, that, that's just stupid. So um, Kingpin's just, he's really going overboard. But with this issue, we, we see more about, about Electra, you know, because she she wants to take down the hand. She wants Matt Murdock to help her, but he's kind of reluctant and, you know, to be used by her or just to get involved in this battle. You know, he doesn't want anything to do with it. And we, we see more of Electra's past, which kind of, you know, sheds some new light on on when she met Matt and why she met Matt and, and everything. And, and there's like someone else from her past that is going to be causing some some problems for her. Dark Ages issue four. So this is by Tom Taylor and Iban Coelho. And basically in this alternate 
kind of future uh there's no electronics no tech in the marvel universe so you know the heroes have had to to basically reestablish society you know across the world everyone had had their step up but there are certain factions who are pretty evil like uh, apocalypse it's apocalypse right and so some heroes have been kidnapped you know they're not people aren't sure who's alive who's dead and what's going on and but then they found out that some of them are, are being held prisoner so they want to try to free them and everything and um there's some brutal attacks here like someone gets it it's like i didn't see that coming and so that's uh the interesting thing about this you when you when you have these at first i'm like well you know i don't know how i feel about it but having that locks in uh the 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 fact that like anything happens like no one is safe so that that's the good thing about these like what if else worlds whatever out of continuity stories that you know you can have a character die and it, it feels like it's a bigger deal and because like in the main comics don't you can't don't kill off the main characters because you know unless there's no way you're going to do it you know permanently the, the characters are too valuable to just throw away so there, there's some interesting stuff there Darkhawk issue five um so more on the, the my my main problem with with dark hawk is it's almost like you know too many people are finding out who dark hawk is and the bad guy you know he knows who he is so he's like forcing a confrontation and you know they're they're going at it and but there there's more we find out about you know like the the whole um i, f- I forget the, the the kid's name the who's dark hawk but you know he has ms he was supposed to go you know on a basketball scholarship and, you know, he's like his team doesn't know. And so there, there's more, a little more on, on that. Like what happens if they do find out, you know, how are they going to react to that? And then um, Death of Doctor Strange, Bloodstone. Elsa Bloodstone, I, you know, I'm not, she's not like my favorite character at all by any means. I did like her appearance in a Deadpool comic by Kelly Thompson. And maybe it's just because Kelly Thompson wrote her character. But I, I really became interested in like who she was and like the potential that the character holds. But with, with this and just being tied to, you know, this is a you know Death of Doctor Strange comic. So what that means is because the Sorcerer Supreme is dead, that there's, you know, certain mystical things that aren't being held like in check anymore. And um, I don't know if there's spoilers. So, yeah, okay. So there, Elsa is with her brother, Colin, and, you know, but then they discover they have a long-lost sister, and, you know, there's certain reasons why she's been somewhere else. And I it was just, I'm just like, okay. It was, it was just, like, hard for me to get, get into it. Then there's Devil... Devil's Reign Superior Four, <laughs> and uh, as, as I'm reading this, I'm like, is this meant to be serious, or is this kind of like like joking a little bit? But basically, the so because the Fantastic Four are are locked up or are scattered because of Kingpin's stupid thing, they they took, which I don't even understand how this is possible. They took possession of the Baxter Building or kingpin the state of new york i don't even understand how the logistics of this it's like it's private property so otto octavius is there and he's been 
taking uh, different versions of himself from the multiverse. So that's why there's four of them. And then, you know, he's talking about all uh, the different Doc Ox and different realities. And so I think now his plan is he wants to basically go after them and and absorb their knowledge and experience and I don't know. But there's a there's like a, a Wolverine Doc Ock, there's a Hulk Doc Ock, and I think there's a was there a Ghost Rider Doc Ock? <laughs> but there's like Otto Howlett is his name. So in this reality he, he he's Wolverine. <laughs> I I don't I don't understand. Um Fantastic Four issue thirty-nine. This concludes the trial of um bentley 23 so the wizard is trying to say that like he wants he wants to take his clone his his you know bentley 23 and he, he as part of his defense he's like saying that the fantastic four are horrible parents and and the thing and alicia are horrible parents because dragon man had custody of bentley so he's trying to get them and they're in front of this like superpower judge, <laughs> but uh, the 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 case the case closes. I'm not gonna say what happens, but it, that was that was that was fine. Then uh, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, issue three. I'm, you know, I love Kate Bishop, and I don't know if it's just my my love for Kelly Thompson's Kate Bishop series and her West Coast Avengers, but this just doesn't capture the same feeling uh, i mean if you if you read the two it's like and and they're different you know it's 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 not really fair to compare writers and you know because they have their own styles and stuff like that but even even the story so far it's not totally hooking pulling me in out of nowhere it's like i don't remember there being any mention of, of kate having an older sister so i don't know if that's something that i just totally missed and forgot but it just seems weird and the art here, the, you know, the art is fine, but it almost doesn't quite fit. And again, again maybe because I, I'm, you know, when I, I think of the Kate Bishop uh, series, you know, I think of Leonardo Romero's art, which, oh, my God, I love his art. But I'm just, I'm not not totally totally digging this, this series. And, and that, it bums me out, you know, because I, I really want to like this series, but I'm just, I'm just okay, you know, her... She Kate got got hired for a case, and then she discovered it was her sister that you know lured her into this. They're at this resort place, and there's you know people are being mind controlled or whatever. And I think it's it's tying into the circuit day crime or whatever from Hawkeye like issue three four. I don't remember, but yeah, this this is this is I I feel like this isn't a good thing because like if the west coast avenger series which was amazing if that didn't have sales i don't feel like this is a strong i hate to say it i don't feel like this is the strongest kate bishop story to determine whether or not kate bishop should have like an ongoing series or another mini series or whatever it's just it's it's not doing it for me but that's just my opinion marauders issue 27 so uh what, what I like about there, there's still I, I I'm glad that they bring up the the fact you know because like it it starts out where Kate goes to forge and you know because she still can't use the 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 
to Krakoa gates. You know, they're supposed to be only for mutants, but for some reason she can't go through them. And uh, and then there's more stuff with with uh, White Queen and this Lordess uh, lady from the Hellfire Club before and everything. And um, I I don't know. Like I should look it up. I forget if I I looked up when they they talked about her before. Because there is like the connection with uh, Kingpin and and Lourdes and Emma Frost, but I don't know if she was like a new character or or character that was introduced way back, and I just never noticed her or anything. So you know, Emma's like doing her 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 stuff with the the Hellfire Trading Company or whatever, and you know that's fine. Uh, Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit issue two. I'm. I'm, I don't know. There's something about this that just feels weird. So Ms. Marvel, Kamala, you know, she's experiencing like weird like shifts in reality or whatever. You know, she's not really sure what's going on. And um, I think because I'm not really go- sure what's going on, I'm kind of losing interest. You know, there's like at one point, like everything is like, like a Bollywood uh, production, you know, in the middle of the street. And, you know, she doesn't know what's going on. But there's other part where it's like, wait, is her costume suddenly changing or did the time pass? And then she changed out of her costume into this other outfit. And and I, I also think it's weird, like her, she, you know, she wears like this Ms. Marvel jacket, which, you know, is different from her regular costume. But it's like when you're in your civilian guys, I don't think you should be wearing that. So it's like. I don't know, and and her powers are like like she's losing the stability of her powers, and she's not sure what that means. You know, is something affecting it? Is it she's just yeah? So I don't know. Uh, Avengers or, or Savage Avengers twenty eight. Um, I think this was the last issue. I thought last issue was was the last issue. So there's a little more on the aftermath with the the battle against Kulan Goth. You know what Conan's doing. And, and, you know, some interaction between Conan and King, you know, is Conan going to stay in the past? What's happening? And yeah, so that, that was a, it was an interesting ending with, with the decisions that were made. Okay. Then Spider-Woman issue 18, this, this uh, really cranks things up. It, uh, there's some, some crazy things that happen. So this is tying into Devil's Reign, which is, ugh, but I, you know, I really like the story, but I just Kingpin, I feel like he's doing too much. He's getting away with too much, and it's just kind of ridiculous in a way. But you know, he's he's setting things into motion. And Jessica, you know, like her, her one of her real close friends was attacked and everything. And it's it's because of of Jessica because of Spider Woman. And you know, she's trying to find out. You know, she finds out the Kingpin's involved, so she pays him a visit. So there's a little fight between them and everything like that. And then again, he starts crying about he did something to all of us. Bleh. You know, he's crying about Matt Mur- or Daredevil because he doesn't know who Daredevil is. But then it turns out that he decided to share some information with someone who Jessica didn't know was even alive. Someone that that Norman kept locked up, and so I don't know if I. I guess I should say I'm going to spoil this. Yeah, I really don't want to. It's a Queen Veronica, the scroll. And so she wants to get her revenge against Jessica, which is dumb because it should be the other way around. So things are going to get uh, really messy. Yeah, so I was not expecting that. And whether that's that's a legitimate story arc or if they're just like 
exploiting whatever it it's it caught me off guard so i'm just like whoa uh star wars issue 20 this was an okay um issue uh luke is you know trying to find out more about anything with the jedi you know just trying to get his training he came across a holocron he's trying to go to different locations that are mentioned there and he's kind of bummed because he's not really finding much but then he gets his place and and uh he talks to like the essence or the spirit or something of this other Jedi who I believe is in the the Star Wars a New Order or High Republic, what not New Order, High Republic stuff. So that just seems a little weird. It's like, okay, you're you're trying to tie in the two sub franchise or whatever, you know, eras. So I, I don't know. And yeah, I mean, because Luke needs a fight, he needs to learn more, but I, I feel like they're kind of limited as, as to what they could do. And the stuff that he's doing hasn't been, you know, super exciting. You know, I, I'm what I'm really curious is like the fact, okay, he's he found his golden lightsaber. We know that he's not gonna keep it. And I don't I'm not really sure what I what I'm expecting, you know, what my high expectations are are demanding. Star Wars bounty hunters issue 20 came out and this is more about uh four four l-e-o-m l-o-m l-o-m i always call him four lom but apparently it's four l-o-m and zuckus and yeah i'm just not super into this, the story star wars a high republic eye of the storm this is by charles soul also he wrote wrote star wars this week but this ties into the one um, Star Wars book, The High Republic, that Charles wrote. I'm not sure if he, how many he's written, if he's written a, a second one. But there's this uh, character called Aya to Nihil. And so because I listened to the audiobook, I kind of know who the character is. So, you know, we, we see some of the, the past of this character. And um, so, I you know, I was a little interested with that to see where this is going. This, I feel like I'm pretty sure this takes place like before that book so you know we're, we're seeing how things are, are set up and everything like that but i don't know i'm looking at i'm, I'm you know kind of thing is like well if you didn't read that book or you don't know anything about it it's like are, how are you going to care about this because so that that's the weird thing is how these these books are are released and because i was like talking to someone who doesn't know anything about it and, and they just have like zero interest in this era even though you know i'm saying like you know the book was pretty cool you know with the hyperspace and uh, you know using that as a weapon and so yeah, I don't know how, how it's going. I don't. I'm not sure what other people are thinking of it. The thing issue three. This has been been like a weird weird story. I really like Tom Riley's art, and uh, it's just there's some weird things going on here. And, and you know, this is like an out of continuity story. But what's weird is, you know, Ben and Alicia kind of got got in a fight or whatever, and then he meets this other lady, and then they like hook up. It's like, okay. And yeah, there, then there's like a, a champion of the universe. What's his name? The the eld is he an elder? They come in and so it's just just a weird comic. Uh, Wastelanders Black Widow issue one. I was like I was like wait how are you gonna do this because I thought Natasha was dead. It's like okay well maybe she wasn't dead. Maybe she survived somehow, and uh, she's gonna end up fighting the Lizard King, who is like huge. And, um, yeah, because it's like, 
The Deadly Black Widow. Who is she and how has she survived this many decades in the wastelands undetected? Witness her first appearance in the old man universe. So when you think about it, it, it makes sense. It's like, you know, how can Black Widow st- still be here when, you know, supposedly she died and everything like that. So there's there's a perfectly logical explanation. And, you know, it's almost like on, like on a first page when I'm, or, you know, right at the beginning, I'm like, oh, I wonder if, and that was the case. So that would, was, I, I was okay with, with, with this. And the fact that, you know, she is older and, you know, so she's not, you know, not a spring chicken anymore, but, you know, she's still kicking butt. And um, this is, I think they did a Wasteland, I thought it was like a Black Widow Wastelanders podcast. I don't know how long, like how many episodes or whatever. I don't know if it's based on this issue specifically or if there's like some other story or what's going. Because, you know, if this is just a one-shot issue, it's like how you can do a podcast series off of this unless it's just a you know an issue or two or whatever. So I, I, I don't know how that works. And then X-Men Legends issue 10. This was... Um, this was like a Mr. One, it's Mr. Sinister. I'm, I'm not the biggest Mr. Sinister fan. But he has Charles Xavier, uh, Magneto, Beast, uh, Amanda Muller, and Moira McTaggart. And yeah, he's just doing some weird things. And I almost feel like this is kind of tying into the Krakoa stuff, like House of X, like way back when this is, because this was during uh, Fabian Nicesia's uh, X-Men, you know, from the 90s. And, you know, Dan Jurgen does the art here, which was, was cool. So I... Yeah, I, I wasn't super crazy about the story, and I, I think it's just because it's Mr. Sinister focus, and I just I just don't care about him. But it, it was it was interesting to see like what happened and everything. But with that, <laughs> that's going to be comics for this week. Okay, let's talk Dexter New Blood season one episode ten sins of the father. This is the final episode. And uh, it was like it was actually right like after I recorded last week's, and I was like, I don't know if there's gonna be season two and everything like that. I did see some information that this is it. <laughs> there is there is no no uh, season two coming. And um, as far as this this episode, so this is this came out a week ago because I've been a week week behind w- with this. You may have heard what happened. If you're watching the show, you probably know what happened. If you're just kind of interested or whatever, if you follow the news and if you click on articles, you, you're probably aware of what happened. I really don't know how I feel about it. And I haven't looked at any further discussion or, or thoughts or anything like that. I, I checked out on Twitter tw- on Twitter, Twitter, just to see what some of the, the reactions were. And it didn't seem like people were that happy. There's some, some uh, not... not symbolism some poetry i don't think i i'm super crazy about it you could argue the the validity of what was decided and everything let's just get to it i feel like this is gonna be a long discussion um or just a recap all right it starts off with the the episode of of molly's podcast (laughs) and you know she's she's so i guess she did an episode about iron lake population 2760 she talks about how it's an idyllic town but she came there because of an overprivileged cis white boy named matt caldwell so it it turns out like i guess angela's listening to it she pulls up to dexter's burnt 
cabin and she calls the station to put out a, an APB on a missing person who's been missing for 72 hours, Molly Park. So she's trying to figure out what, what happened to Molly. She, she doesn't know. We know, Dexter knows, that she was somehow at some point killed by Kurt Caldwell and preserved in his grotesque body trophy museum that he has underground. I, that and I don't know if I mentioned it last week or or when that that came up, but it was it was kind of not not that it was a, a letdown or anything, but it was just weird that she was killed and not that we had to see it or anything, but it's like we had no idea. And maybe that was meant to be part of the shock when you know Dexter goes down there and all of a sudden there she is. But it was it was kind of like not necessarily a disservice to her character, but you know she she escaped being his victim when Dexter saved her. But then she ends up getting becoming a victim. It's like, when did, did Kurt have time to do this? But anyways, so uh, Dexter's, you know, at his cabin. He's smiling. He he's, says to himself that now he remembers why he picked this place. There's so many good people. There, you know, there's a lot of people that are helping. And he says that the fire is a sign. You know, he's going if he's going to teach Harrison the code, it can't be there. Angela comes up and says that they need to talk now. And she says that there's strong evidence that the fire was arson. So someone drenched his roof with an accelerant and most likely gasoline. So that makes the area a crime scene. And she asks if there's anyone that he's crossed recently. And he's like, no one comes to mind. Harrison mentioned, you know, he overhears this. And you know, he's always adding something, which makes you kind of, you know, wonder about, about Harrison. You know, he's, he's almost like... He's very quick to, to come up with stories and, and cover stuff. But he mentions the Moose Creek scumbags from, from the other school. You know, a few of them tried to jump him at the truck stop uh, two nights ago. And she's surprised. It's like, did you get any name? And Harrison's like, well, they were friends with that, that one kid, Jeremy, who he broke his arm when they were wrestling. Then he's like, Zach or Scott probably know who they are. And then Teddy finds Dexter's father's watch as he sifts through like dirt and ashes or like kind of do it like minor style, accepting. He's like, oh, do you want this? And, and he was happy with that. Uh, the Spanish teacher and Logan and some kids come with boxes. So they took a collection. They got a bunch of clothes and stuff. They got Harrison a varsity wrestling jacket too. And Dexter thinks that, you know, there was a time he would have given everything to see Harrison like this, you know, happy and almost normal. But now he's like, you know, we need to get out of here. So Angela wants to stick around and look over stuff, and, and she's watching like Dexter and Harrison as they're you know getting her stuff together. Dexter in a, in the truck, Dexter tells Harrison that they should probably figure out where they're going to live, and Harrison's like, yeah, we, we probably can't stay at Angela's forever. But Dexter says like, no, I was thinking somewhere warmer. And Harrison's like, but I just got here at Iron Lake. He says I, I finally feel like I fit in. Dexter's like, well, I was thinking maybe like L.A. And Harrison's like, that's three thousand miles away from my friend from Audrey. Dexter says that you know, he knows it's hard, but they can't be themselves here. They can't do what they do. And Harrison's like, how does that work? Is like, you know, do they basically find someone doing bad things? And Dexter says, like, you, you know, do some research. You make a list. It's not hard when you're in a big city. That way they'll be ready when the dark passenger rises up. Like when, you know, he broke that kid's arm wrestling, except they won't take it out on an, an innocent person. Harrison says, is like, yeah, then we'll save a lot of innocent people, right? And then he asks, he's like, can we get a pool? So I guess that's all he cares about. So then he's like, you know, when are you going to uh, tell Angela? Because I'll have to tell Audrey. Dexter's like, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I'll let you know when the time is right. So Angela asks Logan to follow up on some Moose Creek kids. Then she sees something and she starts like collecting, you know, she takes out an like, evidence bag and she like pulls something out, which is like very convenient. 
she's sitting outside her house and she's watching like Dexter Harrison and Audrey inside, like in the kitchen, whatever. She finally goes in, they're making dinner and she sees, uh, or she sends the kids, you know, cause they're making pasta or something like that. So she sends them to, to get some, some stuff so that they, they can do it right. You know, she basically wants to get them out of the house. So Angela's like silent as, as you know, Dexter's talking. Then she, like you know he like gets closer and she like shoves him off her and she pulls out her gun and she tells him she's like turn around and get, get on your knees and you know he's he thinks he looks up and he's thinking about grabbing a knife that's like on the the cutting or the whatever the knife holder thing <laughs> and then logan busts in and she's like dexter morgan you're under arrest for the murder of matthews uh called matthew what did they I don't know if they said his middle name matthew caldwell and dexter like looks at her and he's like matt caldwell's dead and she whispers she's like get him to F out of my house. You know, he, then he's put in the back of Angela's car and Dexter's like, can we just talk? And she's like, oh, we'll be doing, all, all, we'll be talking a, a lot. So his stuff is collected at the station. He's fingerprinted, mugshot. Harrison and, and Audrey show up and he's like, what's going on? And you're like, whatever, you know. In an interview room, Angela comes in, turns on a camera and he's like, do I need a lawyer? And he's like, she cuts him off and she's like, it's up to you. So she asks him to state his name for the record. He's like, Jim Lindsay. She's like, state your GD name. And he's like, Dexter, Dexter Morgan. She asks, where was he the day Matt Caldwell went missing? He said he was at the cabin alone. And she mentions the heat signature footage uh, from the camera that you know he used to identify Matt. It's like they never identified the second person. And she says that he has the same build as Dexter and the same rifle he owns. And he even does the, the same chin scratch thing that he does. He says that his body size is average and a dozen of people in Iron Lake have the same rifle. And he's like, I probably sold a half of them too. Then she mentions Matt shattering his femur, brings out the screws and plates that you know were used for the fracture and she says that she found them in her mailbox along with a note jim Lindsay killed matt caldwell then she pulls out another one and she says that she found that one in the ashes of his cabin and the screws have serial numbers so her theory is he went for a walk he saw matt kill the white deer they argued maybe he attacked dexter maybe it was self-defense and dexter's like says you know she's making or she's jumping to conclusions that just aren't there then she says that then Harrison shows up like out of nowhere. So you, ha you know, he had to get rid of Matt's body and he's, and he's like, what's your theory on that one? And she's like, you burned it. You know, it's smart until it isn't titanium doesn't melt. And Dexter says that he also has a theory or is he just, is she just going to tell him to shut the F up? He says that Kurt lied about Matt being in New York. Then he lied about Matt being at the cabin of his, then Kurt's you know, stripped the same cabin down to the studs a day after her friend Molly and him were there. So it's not outside the, the realm of, you know, good logical theory that Kurt killed Matt for any number of accidental or intentional reasons. Then he needed someone to frame. So why not the boyfriend of the chief of police who just arrested and humiliated him? And he's like, hell, Kurt probably burned down my cabin just so you'd find that dang screw. And she says that, you know, or he says that she's been under a lot of pressure. You know, she just found her best friend's body and hasn't had a chance to grief her. And she's like, don't you say her name. And Logan like runs in. He's like, hey, hey. He's like, why don't we just give Jim or Dexter some time to gather his thoughts? He's like, and he like tells you, know, he's like, you know, we want to keep this interview clean so it stands up in court. So without a word, she, she gets up and she walks out. Then 
you know, she says to Logan, I was like, she's like, he's effing with us. And Logan's like, maybe, but his story seems to be just on this side of plausible to me, which means it'll seem plausible to a jury and a DA. And she says, you know, he doesn't know the full effing context. So it's like she's been hanging around with Molly too much because, like, she's just swearing left and right. You know, F-bomb this, F-bomb that. So he, he says if there's full context that she might want to fill him in. And she's like, I can't. And she's like, I have to be sure this time. So she grabs her coat. She tells Teddy to bring Kurt Caldwell in. And she asks reception if there's any word on Molly's APB yet. And she's like, no. So she tells Harrison that Logan will bring him in to see his father. And it's like just five minutes. So she tells Audrey to come with her. And Logan has to um, search Harrison because of protocol. Then Logan turns off the camera, uncuffs Dexter. So he's giving him privacy. Harrison uh, runs in and they hug. And Dexter says that Angela thinks he killed Matt Caldwell. And this has nothing to do with Kurt. He's like, you're safe. He's like, I've been in tougher spots. He's like, I'll get out of this. He's like, there's no way I'm leaving you. He says Angela has a theory, but it'll never hold up, that they'll be on the road in a day or two. So Harrison asks, he's like, well, what should I do until then? So he's like, go find Tess at the tavern. That's the, the Spanish teacher. It's like, she'll feed you and give you a room. Dexter says that they'll get through this. The world needs them. And then time's up. So Logan says, he's like, he says to Harrison, he's like, you know, stay tough. So Angela's walking with Audrey down the street and you know, she's taking her home or whatever. I don't know why they're walking, not going in the car. You know, Angela says that she's like, I can't give you all the details yet, but remember how Harrison told you that Jim wasn't his real name? She's like, I didn't know it at the time, but there's more to that story. And she says, it might be, you know, it might seem hard to believe, but Jim is dangerous. And she's like, dangerous? She's like, then why were you dating him? You know, why'd you let him in our house? And she's like, well, you know, sometimes people aren't who you think they are. Audrey sees Harrison walk out of the police station. She starts going after him. And Angela's like, just, you know, give him some space. And she's like, why? Is he dangerous too? Angela's like, no. And she's like, you know, she's like, I'll, I'll tell you everything tomorrow. So Dexter's in a cell. Logan uncuffs him, leaves some food. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to go make sure Harrison's set up at the, at the tavern. So Logan's eating with Harrison in room. Logan says that, you know, he, he got there around the same time Matt disappeared. He's like, you know, did you see or, or hear anything that could help exonerate your dad? And he says that, you know, he wasn't in town yet, but he really was. Uh, and then, you know, Logan has to go back to the station. He's And then he's like, you know, try not to eat hamburgers three meals a day. He's like, you know, I don't want you going up too many weight classes before wrestling starts after New Year's. So Dexter's staring at the moon from his cell. And Angela's looking at the moon, you know, same moon from her car. That she curses and goes back to the station, gives Dexter a look, but goes in her office. She calls um, Angel Batista's cell because, you know, they met at the, the conference. She says that they've had some deaths at Iron Lake that are very similar to an old Miami Metro case. And she asks if he remembers the Bay Harbor butcher. And she says that she looked at the pics in the police database, you know, all the dismemberments. But it's like there haven't really been, they haven't really had any dismemberment cases. that. So I don't know what she's talking about. She asks about Sergeant Dokes, and Batista says that, you know, he sat next to him for 10 years. She's like, did you believe he did it? He's like, I did at the time, but there were a few other theories. He's like, my ex-wife, who was my old captain, actually thought that it was someone else in the precinct. And she's like, who? And Batista's like, he's, you know, he says, Dexter Morgan, but he died years ago. Then she's like, check your email. So he looks. She sent him a, a picture of her and Dexter sitting together. And you know, Batista stares closer at it. He's like, when was this taken? She's like, last month. He's like, madre de Dios. He's like, Dexter Morgan's still alive? And she's like, and he's sitting in my jail cell. She, she asks, she's like, what was your captain's name? She's like, I'd like to speak with her. And he says she was murdered. So she asks if they ever caught the killer. And he takes out a file from his desk. And he, he's like, where are you? He's like, I'll be there tomorrow with everything I have. So he has a file on, on I forget her name. So 
Then Teddy calls Logan, says Kurt Caldwell took off, the front door is unlocked, the safe is empty, closets are cleaned out, and his gas truck is there. And it's emptied out, still smells like fresh gas. Which is like, what does old gas smell like? I don't know. Uh, Angela hears this and asks him to stay overnight in case Kurt shows up. And then she's like, oh, oh, geez, you know, to herself. She, She looks at Dexter, then she tells Logan to put that lying SOB back in her office. And he asks, he's like, you're not done for tonight? And she's like, I'm just getting started. So the camera's back on. She says that he might actually get away with the Caldwell murder charge. And Dexter's like, because I didn't do it. Then she's like, oh, you did it all right. She's like, she's not entirely sure if her case would hold up to convince the DA and then the jury. But she's like, but hear this and know this. I will stake my career, my family, my everything that you're a murderer. Dexter says that, you know, he's like, I'm worried about you. And she says that she has one word for him, ketamine. So he picked up a healthy or unhealthy amount from the doctor. And then she shows him the picture of the drug dealer. And she mentions that, you know, uh, he testified that he poked him with something. He says that he saw Logan and Teddy question him at the station. You know, there's no way that he was drugged. And she's like, that's only because Logan and Teddy showed up at the bar before you could do it. And then Dexter tells her to believe what she wants to believe. And she's like, you worked in forensics in Miami. You know, you've seen autopsy photos before. Then she pulls out a picture of Jasper Hodge, the, the dude that made the drugs. And he just stares and, and he says, okay, I have no idea where you're going with this. She points and she's like, it's called. And he thinks it before she says it, a wheel mark. So I'd never even heard of this wheel, W-E-A-L. So whatever, stupid Tony. And Dexter says, he's like, I heard he died of an accidental drug overdose. And she's like, he also had ketamine in his system, but only in his system. There's none found in his house or his car. And he's like, well, I can't speak to that. And then she asks if he can speak of this. And she pulls out pictures of a dismembered body from Miami. And she says the same wheel mark. She's like, this is what we call a pattern. And that's how she knows that he, Dexter Morgan, is the Bay Harbor Butcher. Dexter closes his eyes and shakes his head, and he, like, scoffs. And he says that that was Miami Metro Detective Sergeant James Dokes. And she's like, not everyone believes that. And she's like, tomorrow you'll be arraigned for the murder of Matt Caldwell. And she's going to do her best to see it that it sticks. He'll get life without parole. Then win or lose, he's going to have a little reunion with his old friend, Angel Batista. So she's like, I met him at, a, at that conference, and he's on his way up from Miami. So they're going to extradite you, your butt back to Florida where you'll stand trial as a Bay Harbor butcher. And she's like, Florida, a state with the MFing death penalty. So again, she's swearing. It's like so professional. You know, the camera is recording everything. Then Dexter looks at her. He's like, turn off the camera. And she's like, why would I do that? And she's like, he, he, you know, she, he says that he'll talk. He has something to, she's like, if you have something to say, say it to the camera. And he shrugs. He's like, what if I told you you were right? And she's like, then you'd be admitting. He's like, I'm not admitting anything. I'm saying, what if I, what if you were right about Kurt Caldwell? He's like, I can prove it. He's like, I can prove it, Ange. He's like, you know in your heart that Kurt killed Iris, that she was just his first. He's been active for 25 years, like very active. She asks him, you know, she's like, what the heck are you talking about? And Dexter says, like, he's like them. He points to all the missing posters. He's like, go to Kurt's cabin. 100 yards, and this, the camera's off, by the way, for all this. He's like, 100 yards north of the front door under a deadwood pile, there's a hatch. He's like, open it, and you'll see what, see what real evil looks like. And she's like, I've dedicated my entire life to this. And Dexter's like, says that she's been met with scorn and ridicule at every turn because she didn't have any proof, just a gut feeling. He's like, you go to that cabin, and you'll finally have it proof. So she looks at him for a few seconds. She's like, F, and she gets up. 
So Logan asks, she's like, what happened? You know, why'd you turn off the camera? And she's like, put Dexter back in his cell. She's like, I have to check something out. And he's like, what would that be? And she's like, just effing do it. So she's even swearing to him. Harrison shows up at the house. Audrey answers. And he's like, oh, I just came to get my stuff. He's like, since it doesn't look like we're going to be, you know, going to move in together. She tells him to come in and she says she's sorry. She's like, I think this is my fault. And she's like, I told my mom about what you said at the party. She's like, I should have kept my mouth shut. And he's like, no. And she's like, what's going on? He's like, mom won't tell me anything. Then they hug. And she's like, she says she just wants this to be over so they can go back. Things can go back to normal. He says that his dad said to wait at the inn. And she says, and her mom said to give Harrison space. So she's like, well, we're both not listening to our parents. And then they start switching. So Deb is talking to Dexter. Deb. And she's like, remember when you thought not killing was a problem? She's like, how's that going for you? He's like, Angela has her teeth in him. She's never going to let go. And he says that, you know, she, she did. Deb says that, Deb's, you know, because Deb was a sister. She's like, she's like, I trusted you. I loved you. Angela's pretty far from that now. And he's like, enough. Then he asks Logan, he's like, can I get some water? He's like, I've been doing a lot of talking today. So Logan comes in. He's like, yeah, you talked to Angela right out of the station. He's like, I'd give anything to know what you said to her when the camera was off. Then he grabs Logan's arms through the bars and he slams them against the bars a couple of times, spins them around, puts them like in a sleeper hold. He's like, I don't want to have to hurt you. Then he's like, so Angela's right about you. And he's like, he tells Logan, he's like, you're a good, you know, she's a good cop. He's like, and so are you. So he's just like, just give me the keys. So Logan starts reaching for the keys. But then he goes for his gun, and Dexter's like, don't do that. And then he grabs his gun. He, like, tries shooting from behind, but he shoots over his head. This is the bad part. This is where everything starts falling apart. Dexter snaps his neck. He's like, damn it, Logan. He's like, you should just listen. So he grabs the keys, takes his phones, calls Harrison, who's at Audrey's. And, you know, they're both in bed. You know, she's sleeping. So Dexter's like, He's like, oh, it's even better that you're there. He's like, my, my truck is, is there. He's like, the keys are in a cup holder. He's like, meet me where, you know, we found a white deer. Then he takes the squat car, probably Logan's car, and, and takes off. So Angela arrives at Kurt's cabin. She uh, walks to the place. She finds a door. She's breathing heavy. She just goes down with a flashlight, gun drawn, goes in the back room. Lights start going on. She's all a trophy. And she's like, oh. And she recognizes them from the flyers, like, you know, saying names. She keeps walking, finally sees Mo Molly. And she's, like, crying, and she runs out. And then she calls Logan on the radio, and, and Dexter hears this in the car because, obviously, it's, he's – Logan's gone. <laughs> um, he's like, that was faster than I expected. And she's like, we have multiple bodies. And then she tries calling Logan's cell phone, uh, which Dexter left on a desk. She calls Teddy. Tells him to call state troopers, coroners, FBI. She's like, I found like 30 bodies. She's like, I'm going to need all the backup I can before the place turns into a media frenzy. Then she's like, have you heard from Logan in the past hour? He's like, no. I think he's at the station with Jim. Then she curses and she runs her car. So she gets to the police station right away. She finds Logan's body. Dexter's running through the woods. Harrison's waiting at the spot with the, you know, with the truck. Dexter tells him to grab his stuff and leave the truck. And Harrison's like, he's like, are you hurt? Because he's like, no. He's like, then wh whose blood is that? Dexter's like, I'll explain everything later. He's like, we need to go. Then Harrison stops. He's like, wait, you call me from Logan's phone. Is that his blood? And Dexter's like, there was no other way. And Harrison's like, is Coach dead? And he's like, isn't the whole point that you only kill people that deserve it? Coach Logan's a good person. And Dexter says, he's like, he wouldn't cooperate. It was the only way I could get back to you. And he's like, come on, Harrison. He's like, you know, and Harrison's just standing there. And Dexter's like, we'll talk about everything. He's like, but this is it. We have to get out of here. And Harrison says, don't get caught. And Dexter's like, 
He says that's the only only part of it. And he's like, shut up. He's like, you don't really care about saving anyone, do you? You're just feeding this this dark passenger. And he like scoffs. He's like, it's not even a passenger. It's a thing driving, and you like it. And Dexter mentions Harrison slashing Ethan and breaking the wrestler's arm. He's like, you know, that's your own darkness. He's like, you're just like me, buddy. He's like, no, I wanted to be like you so bad, but my anger isn't because I'm like you. My anger is because of you. He's like, of course I'm angry. You didn't just make the decision to ban me once. You made that decision every single day. You stayed away for 10 years. And Dexter's like, he's like, I'm still your dad. I'm here now. And he's like, you're here right now. He's like, just come with me, buddy. He's like, I can stop. I can do it with your help. And Harrison says, he's like, I'm not your flipping caretaker. I'm your GD son. And Dexter's like, I want, he's like, I need you to be, I need to be with you. And Harrison just looks up and he's like, you need to turn yourself in. He's like, there's no other way. And Dexter looks at him. He's like, if I do, I'll get the death penalty. And Harrison's like, maybe you deserve it. And there's like a light scoff. And he's like, okay. He's like, you don't have to come with me, but I can't stay here. Then he starts to walk away. Harrison goes for his rifle, cocks it. He's like, would my mom be alive if it weren't for you? Would Aunt Deb still be alive? And me, would I be so effed up? And he's like, open your eyes and look what you've done. So he thinks about Logan, uh, the police captain, what's her name, but Dokes, like some other people, Deb. And he's like, you're right. Harrison says that, you know, he's like, I don't want to be right. It's like, I want to be normal. And Dexter's like, I'm sorry for everything that I've done to you. He's like, you deserve better, better life, a better father. And he's like, you have to take the safety off, just like I showed you. And he's like, this is the only way out. And Harrison's like, for both of us. And then now, deep breath. Harrison raises, aims. Dexter thinks, I've never really felt love, real love, until now. <laughs> Dexter's shot in the chest. Harrison's just staring, and he whispers. Dexter's like, you did good. And then Deb's there, like, holding his hand, and she lets go. Blood's pooling beneath him. Harrison slowly walks towards him. Then Angela runs up. Drop the rifle. Get on your knees. Hands where I can see them. And she's pointing her gun at him. Then she sees Dexter. And Harrison's like, I'm, I stopped. He, he killed Coach Logan. And she's like, I know. And she tells him that he can get up. He holds his wrists out. And she just takes his hands. And she puts some money in. And she's like, she tells him to take it. She like, go through town. Just past the truck stop. There's an entrance to I-86 West. She's like, go and never come back here. And he looks at his dad and she's like, Harrison, you have to do this now. She hugs him like quickly. She's like, he says, tell Audrey I said goodbye. And she shakes her head. She's like, I can't because I haven't seen you. And she picks up his rifle and like wipes the prints. Then she calls on a radio to report an officer involved shooting. So Harrison reads a letter to Dexter wrote to Hannah, his uh, stepmom or whatever. He, and it's like, my dearest Hannah, this is the most difficult letter I'll ever write. You may have seen my name among the casualties of Hurricane Laura. And I believe that's for the best. I'd give anything to see you and Harrison again, to see him smile, to hold him, to celebrate his birthday in my heart. He is and always will be my phantom limb. So Harrison drives by the police station. They bring out Logan's body in a body bag, drives through the town, stops by Angela, sees Audrey in a room. Then Dexter's letter narration continues. I want what every father wants for his child to be happy, to live and love without fear, to share his gifts with the world. Uh, Harrison drives by to high school. Dexter continues, but we both know with me around, a normal life for Harrison won't be possible. Harrison drives out of the town limits. This is not an easy decision. Sometimes I wish the hurricane had taken me, released me from the burden of my own urges. Instead, it showed me that I have to bear them alone. That's my fate. Then Harrison sees several police cars go in the opposite direction. 
So unless Harrison starts showing any dark tendencies, I beg you, let me die so my son can live. And that's how it ends. So, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. And, you know, it's it's been like, as it's been about a week now since I've watched the episode and I as I record this. And I still don't really know how I feel. I guess in some ways, you know, if you think about it, I mean, Dexter, for, for all his good purposes, you know, for killing, you know, bad guys, he was still killing. You know, he's still doing bad things. So should he be allowed to live? I mean, that was a big question. I know a lot of people, I, I don't I don't even remember how bad the, the original series got, like the past couple seasons. I just remember being really disappointed. Him, like, faking his death in a hurricane, you know, that seemed, like, really weird and, and lame. But it kind of left things hanging. It's like, okay, the world thinks he's dead. He's gone. So now it's almost like there was some justice for all those people because, you know, he did he did frame Dokes. And I'm trying to remember how the police captain died. So it's like, you know, and then, you know, he, he killed Coach Logan, which I think was was dumb. But so maybe this is what he deserved. So he, he did have to die. There's no other way, you know, because if he turned himself in, he's he's in jail. Life sentence, you know, life without parole, death sentence, whatever. So I guess this is the only way to, to, to close the chapter in Dexter is, is just to let him out. And the fact that Harrison did it, it was like a mercy killing. And, you know, so Harrison's going to have to live with that. And uh, so, I, I mean, the thing is, you know, if, good or bad, we, you, you, we all like Dexter. You know, he, he's, he, he has his quirks or whatever. We don't want to see him die, but we also we don't want to see him locked up and... So that's the end. I, I don't really don't know because I mean the, the show was good, there, and there were some things that really bugged me, but there's some stuff that was kind of you know redeeming things. I just I really don't I still don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if this is a, a po- like a, a poetic justice ending or if it's just blah. So what did you think? <laughs> I just don't know. I I got to think about this some more, but I'm, I I don't know. I mean I'm kind of bummed in a way, but I guess guess that's the way it goes. <laughs> So that was that was Dexter New Blood. It, and there is no season two, and they, I I don't want a Harrison New Blood season. Whatever, it's like just let's just put an end to this and never talk about it again. Okay, then Superman and Lois is back, season two, episode one. What lies beneath? So it picks up from last episode. We see Natalie, uh, John Henry's daughter, comes out of her ship. She sees Lois and she's like, mom. And she starts running to Lois and Henry, he stops her. And he's like, it's complicated. That's not your mother. And she's like, what? And he's like, she's still gone. And then she's like, but then why are you here? And he takes her to explain. Clark tells Lois, he's like, you should say something. She just looks at him and she turns around and walks into the house. Then it cuts to three months later. So Clark is getting ready. To, uh, you know, he's talking about going over to Lana's later or whatever. Lois is busy working. I guess she's you know trying to find job applicants for the, the newspaper that you know she co-bought, and uh, she's like saying how there's not much good out there. And Clark's like, well, you know, he's like I didn't have a lot of experience when Perry hired me, you know, but what I had was eagerness and stuff like that. And they just kind of like look at each other, and then she's like, what? And it's like, Jesus, like, what is your problem? She's just like snaps at him. You know, he's trying to be helpful and everything. Uh, Jordan's nervous about heading over. Uh, and like Clark's like, wait, he's like, whoa. He's like, get ready for it. So he comes in. He gets like smell his clone. I guess he like drenched himself in it, whatever. He says that he has a surprise for her. She's been gone for a month. 
and Clark mentions to Lois that it's Natalie's first day at school, and he asks her if she wants to call or wish her luck or anything, and she's like, Clark, I don't know what to tell you. She's like, she still won't talk to me, okay? And then she goes back to her laptop, you know, setting up interviews and everything. So there's just a lot of tension going on. Um, there's also a, a lot of uh, Superman merch in the town. Uh, Kyle and Lana are sitting there, and Kyle tells out, you know, it's like it's 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 not right to you know make him something commercial or whatever. And he's like, you know, the, the last thing Smallville needs to be turned into some sort of tourist trapped, you know, just because of what happened. And Lana's like, you know, if it's helping the local economy, who cares, you know? And then the bus pulls up, Sarah gets off, so she was at camp, but I guess this was her first time as a counselor, so she's, you know, it's not quite the same. Um, but she doesn't seem that excited about seeing Jordan. So at first I'm like, did something happen at camp? Did she, you know, hook up with another, you know, counselor and by hook up just like, you know, holding hands or kissing or whatever, but it's like something, it seems off. Chrissy Beppo is interviewing some guy at the paper. He mentions how he finally got an article published, but he's been doing layouts and other stuff. You know, the last place he worked at, he's been helping to monetize things. And she's like, Oh, you know how to do that? He's like, yeah, I have my own blog. And then she, she's like, oh, really? He's like, I'm the woat or goat guy or something like that. He's like, I have like like 40,000 Twitter followers. And Lois walks in and kind of hears this. And she's like, okay, you know, thanks. She's like, sees the guy out like right away. And then uh, she tells Chrissy, she's like, if the rest of the interviews are like, that guy just cancel. And Chrissy's like, you didn't even talk to him. She's like, I didn't need to. She's like, they need someone who cares more about the job than how many twits follow them. And Chrissy's like, you haven't liked a single person that I brought in the past month. And Lois like, they're all horrible. And Chrissy's like, but they're the best that, that's available. It's like, you know, we really need another re reporter, you know, to help out what's going on. So, you know, we're gonna have to compromise. And Lois is like, fine. It's like, man. So then uh, some t-shirts arrive at Lana's for this Daniel Hart 2022. You know, so he's a dude that's running for mayor or whatever, because the other guy was kind of shady. Uh, Sarah says that, you know, they should put his face on the shirt because he's a hot man or something like that. And Kyle just, like, gives her a look. And then Lana's like, it doesn't matter what he looks like. You know, he, we just need to beat George Dean. So Jordan then knocks on the door. Uh, he can hear them inside talking. And Kyle's like, oh, it's probably Jordan. I saw him walking. And Sarah's like, he's here now? She's like, he didn't text me first. So <laughs> then Sarah opens the door. And He's like, oh, you know, I know I should have texted you, but I, you know, I just couldn't wait to see you. And she's like, well, your timing kind of sucks. <laughs> it's just like, ouch. She says her mom has a big mayoral campaign thing planned, and you know, he says that if you know she can spare some time, you know, there's something he wants to show her. So then at football practice, Jonathan's sitting on the bench and he's watching. Then the coach is like, QB number two. He's like, time to work on the running plays. So afterwards, he's upset. You know, he's talking to his girlfriend Candace and Clark. You know, or in the truck driving to the firm, and you know, he's complaining that you know there's no pass plays. And Clark's like, "You broke your arm twice." You know, he's probably just you know watching out for you. And you know, Jonathan's like, "He won't listen, whatever." And then his girlfriend basically says the same thing that you know Clark says about you know whatever. And he's just like, Ugh. you know, it's like this is what I've been saying, but you know, of course, Jonathan doesn't hear it. And then Clark hears, uh, you know, uh. Uh, something you know a calamity disaster happening so he makes an excuse that he's gonna go to like to the neighbor's farm about something it's this like korean sub that's sinking so he he goes over there um as he's going he he gets hit by like some energy pull something happens and he like falls to the water the sub's like getting deeper and deeper then all of a sudden um superman the whatever's affecting him stops and then he just zips down 
the sub starts getting crushed because it's so deep or whatever. Then it starts going up. So he lifts it out of the water and into the beach. But I don't know about the physics of all that. I feel like if all the weight of the sub was being concentrated in one little spot where Superman's holding it, wouldn't that be too much weight? I don't know. Anyways, uh, then they're cheering, Superman saved us, Superman saved us. And Metropolis, John Henry, is uh, going over to cover story with Natalie. You know, her name is Natalie Johnson. And, you know, she's annoyed with, like, how much he's pushing. She says, yes, I know, I get it, and everything like that. And he's like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, going to your old school could get confusing because, you know, she's going to see, like, friends and stuff like that, but they're, they're not going to know who she is and stuff like that. But she's like, I got it, whatever. Lois comes home and hears Jonathan and Candace up. You know, she hears something. She goes up there and they're like in bed or, you know, they're just like making out. But, you know, he's got his pants on, but his shirt's off and everything. And she tells Candace, she's like, you need to leave right now. And she's like, you, where's your shirt? So she's just like really ticked off. Superman goes to the DOD. There's this new guy in charge. You know, he's he's youngish. He's younger than, than uh, Sam and Lane. His name is Anderson. I don't know what his first name is. But he's saying that, you know, people, the higher-ups aren't happy because the sub he rescued was a North Korean sub, and it was a nuclear sub and everything like that, and he just gave it back to him. He's like, you know, you could have just, like, uh, you know, not not done it or not helped them or whatever. And Superman's like, it's important that I stay out of these and the geopolitics of it or whatever. And, you know, he says that, you know, Anderson, like, you know, this is part of it. You know, we've been having problems communicating. He's like, I got the job because I was the one who knew everything about you, you know, all your saves and your history. But then I realized I don't really know much about you. He's like, you know, if, if I can't get your firm commitment on America's, that, that America's concerns come first, then our working relationship is going to have to change. Superman says, you know, we've been over this. He's like, I will do everything I can to help the DOD. Anderson's like, well, that's not a commitment. And Superman's like, what's the best I can do? And then he hears the the ELT, the, the Superman call thing. So Lois is upset. So he's like, I have to go. And he like zips off. And Anderson's not happy. He's like, what's so important now? It's like, really, dude? It's like, okay, you're having this conversation complaining about like the politics of or the structural organization, how, how all this works. What if there's someone, what if there's a, a, a building on fire or a plane that's about to crash? It's like, you don't know. Where he, th- he just gets mad because he takes off. He's like, he's freaking Superman. You know, so he's going to, he's going all over it. Clark arrives at the farm. Jonathan's sitting on a sofa. Lois is just standing. And he's like, is everything okay? And then he's like, wait, where's Candace? And she's like, you knew she was here? He's like, yeah, I dropped them both off after practice. She tells Jonathan, go to your room. And she's like, what happened is I come home to find out our not even old enough to drive son in bed half naked with Candace. And Clark's like, like, I never would have thought to do that at this age. And she kind of insinuates that she would have, whatever. She also mentions that, that you know, they don't even know where Jordan is. And, and Clark's like, he said he had a surprise for Sarah. And she's like, oh, if, if you buy that bogus non-answers, then don't be surprised when we're grandparents nine months from now. And he's like, wow. And she's like, you really don't get it, do you? And he's like, no, I guess I don't, but I'm trying to. And he asked her, he's like, well, you know, what's bothering you? Is it the Natalie thing? No, this is what's bothering me, that you left our 15-year-old son home alone to have sex. And, you know, he's like, he says that she's acting like he did something wrong. And she says that he's acting like this isn't a big deal. He's like, not enough to use the ELT. That's for real emergencies, not about some high school hookup. She says, you know what? You don't get the, you know, she's like, why don't you just go to Lana's without me? And he likes, he's like, Ugh. 
He's like, fine. And she then she's like, fine. So, oh my God. Okay, so he he there's a sub a nuclear sub that's crashing regardless if it's north korean server there's a sub that's crashed people dying and she's mad that he takes off to go save this and then jonathan and candace start start going at it and it's like okay and i'm not trying to say that his job's what did she do she went to the newspaper to complain about you know someone they, they didn't comp did she get any work done you know, she didn't like who was being interviewed and because she doesn't like anyone that's being interviewed. So it's like, well, if she would have been home instead of just complaining about everything, all the people applying, then this wouldn't happen. But uh, heaven forbid Superman actually try to save people. Jordan's uh, using his heat vision while Sarah's blindfolded. So he had he lit a bunch of candles floating in the water over the bridge in that forest preserve place where they got in trouble. She's like, how'd you do all this water? And so they, they kiss lightly. Then he's like, is everything all right? And she's like, yeah, it's just that you know we almost got arrested here and I'm feeling a little crampy. Then he's like, oh, he's like, well, do you want to go home? And she's like, sorry. He's like, maybe we can do this again when I'm not feeling crampy. But she's obviously just you know making an excuse. At uh, Lana's way, she's handing out T-shirts to people. You know, there's a bunch of people over. People are asking the candidate um, guy questions. Lana's kind of bailing him out a little bit when, you know, he's not answering, you know, like, properly or whatever. And then, you know, Clark comes in and, you know, Kyle, you know, they, they talk about it. And Kyle's like, you can see he's kind of bothered or a little annoyed by, by all of this. Um, Henry is waiting for Natalie after school. Now it's dark and he's not sure where she is. She finally shows up. And he's like, where were you? She's like, I went for a walk. He's like, school ended three hours ago. And she's like, I left before first period. She's like, a fr- you know, there's one friend of hers looked right through her like she didn't exist. And she's like, you know, everyone looks the same, but they're living their best lives. She says, just look at mom. And he's like, Lois is not your mother. And she's like, no, here she has two perfect boys and Superman for a husband. She's way better off. And she's like, I never should have come here. She's like, I've been here three months and, and I know I don't belong. She's like, I wish I died like I was supposed to. So Lois is working at home. Jordan comes, and then she's like, you're late. And then she looks at him, and she's like, how'd it go with Sarah? And he's like, it was good. And she's like, that's it? And he's like, what do you want me to say? Maybe you could start by giving me an actual answer. And he's like, I did. And then he got all weird about it. And he's he says that he went to Atlas Pond, where you were arrested? And he's he's like, I asked the owners. They said it was fine. So she's just like, man. Jonathan is like texting his room. Jordan, you know, knocks and then he asks how it went. And he said that, you know, Sarah said she wasn't feeling well. Then Jonathan's like, was she telling the truth? And he's like, what? Well, yeah. Then he's like, well, what are you? know, He's like saying some stuff that, you know, maybe not. And then Jonathan's like, oh, we might be getting a talk talking to from dad later. And he's like, what? Clark is still at Lana's as she's cleaning up. Uh, she talks a bit about the the mayoral the dude whatever clark asks how kyle feels about all the work she's putting in and she's like did he say something and because she's like we've talked about this repeatedly and clark's like no he's like you know you should just check in with him and she's like oh he did say something didn't he then she says that she's asked him how he feels and it's like he's hiding something and then they, they they're both basically dealing with the same thing because you know clark's asking lois what's wrong and she's not saying anything so, but then there's like this rumble. There's like an earthquake. Then out in the garage, Kyle's like working on a firebird or whatever, and, and Sarah's there. 
and she's like was that an earthquake and he, he he's like oh you know it's probably just something in the mind or something like whatever so then he's like you're home early he's like everything okay and you know it's like what was did did jordan do something or whatever and she's like no no it was, it was, she's like it was just too much she's like you know and he's like he's insecure she's like you're the alpha in a relationship you know just be honest and you know whatever and sarah's like you know that wasn't terrible advice you know so she's surprised that you know her dad had something good to say lois is sitting outside when clark comes home he asks if everything's okay and she's like i snapped at jordan earlier and she says that you know she wasn't ready to talk about or he wasn't ready to talk about Sarah and she couldn't let it go. She finally says, things haven't been okay for months and I've been blaming you. She's like, and I'm sorry. You told me to say something to Natalie and I just stood there frozen. And Clark's like, you know, you were in shock. She's like, all of us were. And she says that, you know, I, she's like, I was her mom in another world and seeing her standing there, call me mom. She's like, I felt nothing. In that moment, I finally realized how my mom must have felt the day she left us. You know, she went, I like, I wondered my whole life how a mother could just abandon her children. And now I know. And she's like, I didn't feel anything. And she's like, every time she comes up, I just feel guilt. And Clark's like, you have nothing to feel guilty about. You're not her mom. Her mom died. You know, there's nothing that you can do to change that. Lois is like, but, you know, I, I know how she felt. You know, she must have been crushed to see her, you know, see me look, look at her that way. And Clark hugs her, and he starts hearing this warbling noise again. The window on, on the house starts cracking a little bit. He's like, he tells the Lois and the boys to take cover, and she's like, "Why?" He's like, "We're having an earthquake." So it's pretty bad in town. People are like falling in the street. Uh, Lois and the boys are standing in a doorway. Chrissy's like under a table. Kyle, Lana, and Sarah. It's almost like they're huddled in the middle of the kitchen. It's like I don't know if that's the best place. There's a water tower in town, you know, somewhere, you know, collapsing. Superman freezes the water explosions by the mines like all these like lights and stuff are just explosion exploding superman arrives uh to help he sees a, a couple people behind like rocks pounding or something like that there's like a man and a woman and like the the dude's like holding someone and a woman was like pounding they have the the house of l like the superman emblems and then superman bends over you know, something happens to him again you know he, he gets this effect and falls over but when he stands up like they're gone they they, they took off so uh, the boys are sweeping in the kitchen. Lois calls Henry, and she asks if they can meet. Uh, Anderson, he st says that they're still monitoring the situation. A man and woman are standing behind him uh, th from the, the mines. Anderson dismisses them, and, and Superman asks, he's like, who are they? And he's like, oh, they're from our school. He's like, surely General Lane told you that the DOD is training our gifted students. And he's like, I think they did wonderfully under inaugural mission. He's like, I guess it was a minor they saved. And Superman says that, you know, saving people during an earthquake is one thing. They're not ready for what's out there in the world. Anders says, regardless, it's not your call. He's, he asked him repeatedly to be part of his team. Superman says that, he, you know, what you asked was for my allegiance to America. And he's like, and you refused. He's like, because I gave it to the world a long time ago. Anderson says, like, you know, America has to come first. And he's like, you know, to them, it does and to the rest of my team so when it does to you come back and then he hands him the elt thing he's like i'd love to have you he's like bring your friend you know he's talking about john henry and superman's like oh, i told you he's done then anderson's like then you know they're the ones that i'll be calling so he starts walking away superman calls him he's like that crest you gave them on their suits it's not yours to give and anderson's like that's the most recognizable symbol on the planet i want everyone to know we're the good guys besides america can have more than one superman 
and he just walks away. But it's like, no, that's not a symbol. That's that's like his house crest. That's like his name. So what Superman needs to do is copyright that, but obviously he can't. So Lois, uh, you know, John and Natalie are at the diner. So Lois meets her. She sees Lois, and she's she says, "You're unbelievable" to her dad, and she walks out. Lois goes after her because she's sitting out on the bench, and she's like. I'm sorry for what happened to you. And Natalie's like, you don't have to apologize. She's like, you don't even know me. And she, Lois is like, no, but I'd like to. She's like, okay, you know, she, and she's like, I, I, I froze. She's like, I didn't know what I was, well, how I was supposed to react. She's like, I thought about it a lot since. What I could have said, you know, I, I could have tried to explain the situation. Natalie's like, it's okay, you're not my mom. And Lois is like, you know, she's like, and I would never presume to take her place. So, you know, she's like, I'm hoping we can at least be friends. And Natalie's like, I don't want to be like your charity case. And Lois is like, that's not what this is. Natalie's like, you already have kids. You have a family. Why would you want me in your life? And Lois is, says, because you seem wonderful, smart, poised, lovely. You're a survivor. It's like so many reasons. I just think it'd be good for both of us if we were in each other's lives. And Natalie just like nods. So Kyle and Lana talk about Sarah. Then they say that you know all the time she spends on a campaign or, you know, Lana's like, she'd rather be there with him. So they start smooching and everything like that. And Sarah's like, you guys have a bedroom, like, down the hall and with a door. So then she she walks out in the hall. She gets a couple texts from Jordan. Uh, he's like, yeah, you want to grab shakes tomorrow if you're up for it? He's like, I hope you're feeling better. The candles were too much, right? You know, I just wanted to show you how much I missed you. He's like, I'm so glad you're back. She just, like, looks at all this. She doesn't answer because it's just, like, way too much. Clark walks in. Uh, they're both in Jonathan's room or something like that. So he's going to talk to him. He's like, we cannot have a repeat of what happened today. He's like, you're both 15. He's like, I get wanting to be intimate with someone, but that's an adult decision. And it comes with adult feelings that you might not be ready for yet. He's like, if you have any questions, you can come to us. Jordan's like, okay. And then he's like, how old were you the first time? And then Clark's like, older than both of you. And he's like, I just want you to be responsible and always, no matter what, who you're with, you respect, you know, whoever you're with. So then he's like, okay, good talk. And Jonathan asks, he's like, oh, does this mean mom's not going to talk to us? And Clark's like, oh, no. He's like, you're going to hear a few words from her. So then he thinks, you know, things are going to go back to normal around there. Then he and Jordan hear a warbling, whistling noise, whatever. Outside, Lois, John, and Natalie arrive. She says that, you know, she finally went, to talk to Natalie, and she realized that she couldn't leave her again. They're going to stay in Smallville for a bit and see how they like it there. And if it's okay with them, they're going to stay at the farm until they can find some place to live. And the boys are like, yeah, okay. And Clark's like, yeah, whatever we can do to help. So Lois introduces Natalie to them. You know, these are my boys. This is my husband. And Jonathan's like, oh, it's finally nice to, or it's nice to finally meet you. And she's like, yeah, the same. My dad, you know, told me a lot about you. Then John um, asks Clark if it's okay. You know, John Henry. Asked Clark, he's like, are you really okay with this? Because, you know, Lois is like, why don't you show her around? And he's like, of course. He's like, anything to help a friend. Then there's a distant rumble. You know, Clark listens, and then he, they go back inside. Under Smallville in the mines, like way deep, there's more pounding. But we don't know who's pounding or why. So what I'm thinking with the news that just came out, I wonder if that's Doomsday. So, like, in the, the comics originally, if you remember, Doomsday was in that green, like, jumpsuit, underground, is whatever. So, I, I wonder if this is, yeah. I hope that Doomsday isn't something that was, cre it's probably, he was created by the DOD, right? 
and it's like you know they're they're trying and maybe it was it was general lane they, they're trying to make their own superman maybe they tried cloning him it didn't work they got this monster instead and they locked them up way why he's locked up under smallville i don't know but i i, I hope that's not the case we'll, we'll see Okay, then Naomi. So Naomi's a new show on the CW. Um, I I don't think I'm going to be talking about this. I I don't even know if I'm going to. I I'm curious to watch it. I don't feel like I'm going to keep up with it. I may not keep up with it on a week to week basis. You know, depending on on what else is going on. I could use that time to, to you know read try to read the comics. So um, my my issue with the with the comics is you know just created by Brian Michael Bendis and was it Kev Walker. I'm trying to think who, who the artist was, but my thing is, I don't really have an. I don't care about the character. I don't have a, a, a connection to her. Her story is just interesting, or is is barely interesting. You know, I I'm not like compelled to find out more about her. I think it's totally bizarre that she's in the Justice League now. I feel like you know she's been around for like two days, or maybe two weeks, and. I just I'm just not that interested with her. So this show, it doesn't feel like it's. I think they said that it's not in the the Arrowverse, even though there's like a Superman connection, sort of. So that seems like a weird thing, and you know, for whatever reason, they want to do this just to keep it separate. Yeah. So basically, the, with the first episode pilot. You know, there's some narration where Naomi's saying, like, you know, every superhero has an origin story. He's like, this is mine. And, you know, she's finding something, like, with her glasses, like, you know, something's going with her vision. Like, she doesn't need her glasses anymore. But, you know, she still wears them sometimes. So maybe it's, like, coming and going. She goes to this party. We find out she's smart. And, you know, like, there's this dude that's live streaming. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm here with the, the you know, whatever. Naomi, she runs the number three Superman fan site. And then she's like, yeah, she's like, Brazil and the Philippines, I'm coming for you. So it's weird that Brazil and the Philippines have a, a bigger Superman site than than anyone in the United States where Superman probably spends more time, but whatever. And then she's like, this other dude's like, why are you so into Superman, you know, with that cape? And, you know, it doesn't make sense. And she's like, well, the best part is, you know, he's adopted. That means, you know, he was chosen just like me. And then, then she's like, oh, this song's my jam. And she starts dancing. So she's not like this total nerd. You know, she has a lot of friends, even though she's, you know, she is really smart. So it seems like everyone likes her. And then, you know, she's talking to her, her parents in the morning, her adoptive parents, whatever. So it's like this happy family. Her dad is like in the, the military. Then she skateboards to school. She's waving to people in the town. She's not wearing a helmet. And we see like these two suspicious dudes like standing in different parts of the town. So like, hmm, who could they be? So it turns out there's a lot of like military brats at the school. So there must be like this base nearby. She gets a, a text during debate class. You know, something's happening in a square, something to do with Superman. And she's like, I need this for, for my site. And she just runs out in the middle of class. It's like, is this after school? It's like, what's going on? She's skateboarding down the hall, which is ridiculous. It's like, you can't do that. And then, you know, she's out and she gets dizzy and, and out in the streets and she like faints. But you know, she's kind of going, she sees like a red and blue streak fly overhead. She goes to the square and there's like this little crater. Um, there's like a car overturned. So she's trying to interview people about what they saw. So, you know, apparently some people think that Superman is fake. 
you know, they, they think it was like just special effects or wires or whatever. And, you know, cause so no one's like really seen Superman apparently, or I don't know. So that, I guess that's another reason why this isn't in the Arrowverse. Then she goes to this comic store later and, you know, she asked it, the, the girl, I forgot her name, Lourdes working, if she knew about this and the girl's kind of flirting with her. So, uh, and so I guess we're having it that Naomi is, is by sexual by curious because she dated this dude nathan but they broke up and then now it seems like she's interested in this lordess girl it's like okay and she goes to the town later after dinner to check things out car still overturned and she notices like a camera on the streets busted she hears this noise down the alley but she doesn't see anyone and it's like the second strange dude is is like hiding in the shadows so it's like at this point it's like 15 minutes an episode and I just, I don't care about anyone. I don't really even care about what's going on. And it's like, okay, but I'm going to keep watching. So I'm wondering, you know, I know what her story is. I know what her origin is and and what they're probably going to do. But So for people who don't know anything about her, it's like, I just really, like, what are people thinking? So she finds out, like, all the cameras on Main Street were tampered with. Um, she does get some footage, whatever, and they, they see this dude, one of the, the first strange dude just standing around. His name is D. He works at the tattoo shop. And um, it, the, from the footage, it looks like he and Superman know each other because it's almost like they're talking. Superman, The CG Superman is, like, floating in the sky, whatever. And then um, she and, and Nathan, they go over to the tattoo guy and oh, the, the second shady guy, he apparently works like this car dealer. So uh, Naomi indeed seems to know Naomi and a lot of stuff. Like he even knew like when she was adopted. And she's like, how you know that? He's like, oh, social media or whatever. And then uh, he finally says that he hired the guy. He, he's like, I hired someone with a jetpack to pose as Superman so I could get publicity for for the shop. So she's like, she doesn't. Really, it's not really sure if she buys that. Then there's the big debate. She faints. Um, then later, when she comes to, there's like some like military people, and she can like read writing on a piece of paper. So she's got like really good vision now. And it says something about a Superman landing in the woods. So she goes there, and the, the shady guy, the second guy, the car dealer guy's name is Zambato. So he was there on a hike, even though he's like dressed in a nice outfit, whatever. She found this like stone disc or something like that. And he's like, I need that disc. He's like, I, I know that you were looking for it or something like that. So there, things are starting to get a little intense. Like leaves start floating around them. So it's not really clear like who's causing this. She starts running, whatever. And, and um, he ends up getting to, she took a picture of, the, of the, the stone disc thing. So then um, Naomi and her friends agree that they have to break into Zimbardo's car shop to look for the disc. And Lourdes apparently knows how to pick locks. Naomi finds, you know, she's looking around, she finds this newspaper article about the strange disc on March 14th, which was her adoption date. There's this, uh, and there's a newspaper, a picture uh, in, the, in the paper has D standing there, and he looks the same, even though it was like so long ago. And Zimbardo's coming, so they leave out the front door. And, you know, they leave it unlocked, so he's going to totally know someone was there. Then she goes to talk to D, and he's like, oh, it wasn't supposed to go like this, and blah, 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 stuff like that. So he finally reveals things. He shows that he has wings, and she's like, who are you? And he's like, that's the wrong question. And then, you know, he's like, what is the question? And she's like, who am I? From the, the descriptions I mentioned in the news before, D, he's from Thanagar. He's not, like... 
he's he's not Carter Hall, Hawkman, but he's a Hawkman dude. And he was supposedly sent there to like watch over her. But like, like I don't know. I just really I I part of me is like I don't even know if I want to watch the second episode. I mean, I'm curious, but it didn't blow me away. So I don't know. I, I guess if you didn't read the comic and don't really know that much, you might be curious, like, what is going on? What What's her deal? But, yeah, it didn't completely win me over, which is, is a bummer. But I just, I I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not, like, a super fan of, of the character. I think it's great, as I mentioned. You know, yeah, we need characters of color. You know, I, I think that's important. So we don't just have white superhero shows but um so mate but that isn't a huge deal for me because again where are the latino superheroes you know where's the latino superhero shows because you know whenever they replace whenever they do like a ethnicity swap they always change like a white person they make them black they never make a white person latino so what's up with that but yeah i don't know um I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe things will get better. We'll, we'll see, maybe. Okay, then DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 7, Episode 8. So it returned from its hiatus. And um, I don't know. I mean, it didn't, didn't quite... I, I just... The show has been kind of iffy a little bit lately, but I just didn't... I, I feel like sometimes it's just too over the top. And, you know, it, it can get silly sometimes, which is fine that, you know, it doesn't have to take itself seriously like the, the DC movies tend to do. But I just, I don't know. So it, it picks up from the last episode where the the legends are talking about, you know, or or the, the legends that we see, they're talking about hunting down the bad ones that are determined to destroy time. But obviously these are fake legends. So... Then it cuts to Seattle, nineteen forty-three. Uh, Sarah and and Nate, you know, they're um, these fake ones. They they arrive and they're talking, you know, as the legends are celebrating with the the ladies who were working at the the plane factory, and then um, and uh, the rest of the team of, of fake legends are watching or anything like that. They're waiting for the civilians to clear out, and then they're gonna attack. So these are all the the like androids that were made by Gideon and everything on from the, the wave rider. So we get this like cheesy intro with this, you know, for featuring like the, the fake versions and everything. So then fake Sarah's, you know, cause they all think that the real ones are the androids. So they're wondering like why Bishop would make androids that look like them. And, you know, they're also wondering why they would make it. So singer doesn't get you know killed by her boyfriend or factory worker woman get a promotion, all stuff like that. Um, you know, a couple of the, I think it was Astra and Zari were killed in a crossfire when they tried attacking them, but they're still alive. So Ava was able to save them because they just, you know, rebooted them, whatever. And, you know, they, they've been replaced. And, you know, Sarah's trying to get, get answers from Ava. And you know, she's like, oh, but, you know, you need to get in the field. You need to get these doppelgangers, whatever. And so then they go to Ukraine, you know, so when they, they saved people from the meltdown, and people, you know, so they need to make sure people who were supposed to die still get killed and stuff like that. So it's just very, they're like over the top, it's just like cheesy one-liners. They're kind of like overly violent. 
and everything like that. And, you know, like at one point, the uh, fake Sarah gets shot in the shoulder and somehow she stays awake during surgery. You know, she's supposed to be out uh, as Ava's working on her. And then she sees like a metal joint with a bullet hole taken out, whatever. And there is like these computer. She saw this computer chip with like Zari's name on her or something like that. And Ava's like, oh, that's her medical record. It's confidential. So she ends up taking all the, the computer chips with her names. And then later they find out that they're the ones that are probably the androids instead. And it's just... I I I'm really I I want to keep watching the show, but I feel like it's just drifting further and further, you know, away from I don't know what it could be, and it feels like this story has been going because this didn't this start last season, and even though this is only the eighth episode, I feel like this has been going on for so long, and I I feel like the focus of what the legends are supposed to be doing. His, it's. I mean, it's it's what it's fine to to stray from you know the, the change, the premise, and the direction. You know, instead of just doing the same thing, or because like, what are you just going to keep going in time and you know trying to fix things? And so I, I get that they're trying to do something different, but it just it feels like this has been going on for so long. It feels like this is way more than the eighth episode. I, I can't believe it's only the eighth episode. So I I don't know if I'm going to keep covering it, you know, especially when there's like so many other things to talk about. And I, I still feel like this, this, these episodes are too long. I don't know how much, I don't know what the optimal podcast episode time is for, for all of you, but I just feel like sometimes it's, it's too long. And so I don't know, I may not cover this anymore. I don't, I don't know. And again, if it means not watching it, you know, watching it later at some point, that could help me. But I feel like if I do that, then I'm going to get further and further behind. Because like with Riverdale, I'm I think I have like 17 episodes on my DVR because I don't have to watch that because I don't talk about it. So then it just gets further and further behind. There's so much new stuff to come. So, and I I feel like if not that if if I don't talk about it, the show is going to get canceled. But I I feel like it's like how long can this keep going? It's like you know are people enjoying this? I hope they are. I hope it's it's doing well. But I just I don't I don't know. So I don't know if I'm going to talk about this show anymore. Okay, then the Book of Boba Fett season one episode three chapter three the streets of Moss Espa. <laughs> Maybe it should have been called Moss Vespa. So. I, I like the episode. I know I, I've seen like Twitter, you know, Twitter reactions from just random people that I don't know. And, you know, a lot of people are complaining. Some people, like, even on like Facebook, people I do know, some people are saying how they didn't like it or it was boring or Power Rangers. And uh, I saw like, like at least two people say Power Rangers reference. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I liked it. Like one of the things at the beginning, you see a Bomar monk walking outside Jabba's palace. And I, I love the fact that they just put that little thing, you know, just these Bomar monks. Um, and those are, those are the, like the spider things with the, the brain in the jar. They, I don't know, like the official, official story behind them. I mean, there was a, in one of the tales from Jabba's palace or whatever, you know, you hear about them. So I don't know like what's canon anymore or what's not, like if their story, their origin is still the same, but I just, I love that, that, that little bit that they have there. So inside the palace, 88's going over uh, the businesses, uh, you know that were under Jabba's protection after the sail barge disaster. There was a power vacuum. I'm still curious, like how much time has passed since the sail barge. You know, we don't have a firm commitment. You know, was it months? Is it a year? You know, I, I'd I'd like to know that. 
So Bib Fortuna assumed Jabba's mantle under him. Mas Vespa, Mas Vespa, was divided amongst three families. So the Transdotians uh, took the city center. The Aqualish took the workers' district, and the Clatoonians uh, took the the starport and the upper sprawl or whatever. Since uh, Fortuna didn't have Jabba's power, he relied on an uneasy alliance uh, alliances to preserve his tribute and his title all, all this while you know lining the pockets of m- the mayor um whatever shies now everyone is waiting to see what kind of leader boba is fennec feels that the assassins are from someone else the mayor doesn't have that kind of power so boba wonders like if it's the huts that are doing this so then someone wants a, an audience with him and you know he was like oh go ahead let him in so his name is is uh, I forget what his name. Some Lo, Lo, Loteta, Loetta Peel or whatever. He's this watermonger in the workers' district, um, and he's like, you know, with apologies, like no one respects Boba. He's like, ever since Fortuna perished, the streets have turned to chaos. So he adds that a street gang of insolent youths have been stealing his inventory, and he's like, this never happened under the other daimyos. And his inventory is water. So he broker sales on behalf of the vapor farmers. Boba um, chuckles because he says, you know, he grew up surrounded by water. The the dude's like, yeah, and Tatooine was once completely covered with water. So he starts going into it, but Boba cuts him off. He's like, what is this gang? And the dude's like, they're half man, half machine. You know, they modified their body with droid parts to make themselves more deadly. And he's like, you know, if you get rid of the scourge, he's like, I'll double my tribute to him. The problem is the street gang, they don't look that deadly. They, they're like too prim and proper, clean cut or whatever. Uh, too pretty. So at night, they go to check it out, the, the four of them, uh, Boba, Fennec, and the, the two Gamorians. They walk up to a group and ask them where they got that water. And this lady answers like, we stole it. And he's like, that's a crime. And others like, it's a crime what the guy charges. And Boba tells him to farm his own water then. The lady turns, she's like, look, old man. He's like, my name is Boba Fett. She's like, we know who you are. And he's like, go back to your palace. He tells her to watch her tongue. I'm the Daimoda's district and I will bring order. She's like, uh, he's a, just a crime boss like the rest of them. Another dude says, like, if you're the Daimo, then why do you let the monger charge us a, you know, a month's wages for a week's worth of water? He's like, not that we have any any wages because there's like, apparently no jobs around there. So Boba's was like, you work in the, you live in a workers district, you should be working. And the lady's like, there is no work. She's like, look around you. And then he takes off his helmet. He walks up to them, which again, it's not intimidating without the helmet, dude. He's like, then you will work for me. He's like, you got guts. He's like, you better fight as good as you talk. So then the the watermonger comes out. He's like, they stole from me, and you're letting them off. And Boba's like, what did they owe you? And he's like, 1,300 credits. And Boba's like, he's kind of outraged by this. He's like, for water? He tells Fennec, he's like, give him 500. He's like, what? They owe me 1,300. And Boba's like, I heard you the first time. He's like, take 500 and consider it resolved if you want to continue to do business in my territory. If you don't like it, you can move to Moss Isley. And then he's like, fine. And cut your prices. And he tells the rest to follow him. So then he goes to the back to tank. Has uh, flashbacks to Genosha, you know, Boba waking up to see Slave One taking off, then riding in a bantha in his new outfit. He goes off on his own. He arrives in a city, asks a couple Jawa where the Pike do their business in Moss Eisley. Uh, so the Pike, 
I, I, I feel like if you watch the Clone Wars and Bad Batch, you, you you have an appreciation for who the Pikes are. If you haven't watched those, you're probably like, whatever, it's just some other Star Wars alien. So um, as he's walking, you see like all these like Stormtrooper helmets like on, on wooden, you know, spikes, whatever, in, in the streets. Uh, so they arrive and you know, he, he gets to this place. He ties up his Bantha. He, he says that he's there for his protection pay. So uh, the dude that he spoke said he spoke with his superiors and Obadiah says they are unwilling to pay protection to more than one party. Boba says that they are one party. You know, he's collecting on behalf of the Tuscans of the Dune Sea. The dude says that the Kinton Striders have already collected protection money from the same territory he lays claim to. Boba says that he's like, they don't have to pay that speeder bike gang because, you know, the Tuscans far outnumber them. And dude's like, we're willing to pay, you know, whoever, but, you know, we don't want to be taken advantage of and pay twice. So he's like, he then Boba's like, I'll resolve this. He's like, you won't hear from the biker gang again. Goes back on his Bantha. He's walking, goes across the desert again. It's like, it's so slow. He sees some smoke in the distance, finds the camp in waste. Uh, there's like dead Banthas, tents on fire, dead Tuscans. Then he sees a street gang mark on a tent. It's the same as like what they put on that farm that he saw before. So his tribe, they're gone. He burns the bodies um, and their, their gaffy sticks, including there's like this like child's practice one from the little kid. He walks his Bantha away, wakes up from the back to tank, only to get grabbed and flung out by Black Kersantan. He tries um, charging at him, but then he gets like flipped over. He gets flung across the room again, lands by his armor, and he tries grabbing something. But Kersantan has like these electro vibro spike brass knuckles, and he like hits him. Boba grabs a gaffy stick and he like, kind of jabs him or slashes him in the guts. He slams like the pointed knuckle end on his back and it's like kind of sticking in him. But then he gets swatted back. Kersantan grabs him and starts like squeezing him. And Boba's like trying to buy. And you also see at this point, like when he's holding him up, is like his one toe, like his big toe is like pointed in the wrong direction. It's kind of nasty. So um, Boba tries like boxing, you know, hitting his ears. And then um, he gets bit. And there's more squeezing. He goes limp. But then the girl from the biker gang takes out a knife and stabs Kersantan. He swats at her, but she ducks. The rest of the gang comes in and surrounds him. They do a little bit of damage, but like not much. Boba gets up, pulls out the gaffy stack from Kersantan's back, jabs him again, gets swatted a, a more, uh, another time. The Gomorians enter. Uh, Kersantan runs and tackles both of them like down the stairs. So now they're like in the throne room. The guard slashes at his back. Kersantan roars, punches him with the brass knuckles, bites the first one in the shoulder. The gang comes back for more. Fennec enters, tells him to stand back, hits the trapdoor switch. Kersantan grabs the, the edge and is like hanging on. Fennec pulls out a blade from her rifle and like flings it at the hand, holding it, and Kersantan like falls to the rinker pit. Boba comes down, now he's wearing her robes, thank goodness, and he tells him to get the one Gamorrean to his back to tank, and Kersantan's just like roaring in a pit. So Fennec and Boba are eating this big meal, he doesn't want much, but she's like, you're the head of family, you should enjoy these things. So um, he says that he has to respond, you know, they're waiting for him to make his next move, so he has to send a message. Fennec says that he already did. Um, you know, they sent Kersantan to, to kill him, and he has him locked up in his dungeon. She thinks that they should wait for them to show their hand. And he's like, these are huts. He's like, you know, waiting will only give them another opportunity to strike again. 
Then 88 enters, says that the twins are here and they brought a gift so that the huts are there. Outside the palace door, the twins are under their big litter carrying thing. The male says that they've come to apologize. The female says that they've sent um, Kersantan to kill him. The male says that they are sorry. Please accept this gift as restitution. So they motion. There's this big rancor being wheeled up like on a floating platform. It's like chained and unconscious, and it's piloted by Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo is a, a rancor keeper. Boba says, he's like, clear off tattooing, and I'll consider it a truce. The female says that they'll do that, but for a different reason. And she's like, there's something he should know. The male says that they were both lied to. The territory has already been promised to another syndicate. Boba asks, he's like, promised by who? The female says that spineless mayor mock Shais. And the huts say that they're, gonna, um, they're going back to Hutta because they don't want a war. It's bad for business. Gamorian brings out Kersantan, and Boba says that he offers a prisoner back if they'll renounce all claims to Jabba's legacy on Tatooine. The male says they're leaving, and they recommend that he do the same. So they didn't actually renounce it, but they're just like, we're leaving. The female says, you know, Tatooine's a worthless rock. She's like, you know, um, sell the Wookiee back to the gladiators. And, you know, he's like, he's their tribute to, to Boba. So they turn to leave. Boba tells the Gamorrean to release Kersantan, and he just kind of like growls. Boba says, no hard feelings, just business. He's like, take it from an ex-bounty hunter. Don't work for scug holes. It's not worth it. Kersantan just trots off. Fennec's like, are you sure that's a good idea? And Boba's like, it's either that or kill him. She asks if he believes what the huts said. He says that you know he has no reason to believe them, but they would benefit from their enemies fighting each other so she says that she'll arrange for a meeting with the mayor so the rancor is taken to the pit boba asks why it's just lying there danny trejo i don't know if he i should look if he has a name okay according to imdb he's just a rancor keeper so uh danny trejo says that the rancor is depressed um and he's like why is it wearing blinders and trejo says that you know it was bred to fight and he saved it to, uh, so Danny Trejo saved it so he could train it himself. And um, he says that it imprints on the first person it sees. So now that they've arrived, they'll begin its training. Boba goes up to it and like rubs its head and he wants to spend more time with it. Trejo says that he should. He's like, you know, they can be, become very loving. He's like, they're known for fighting, but uh, it's said that like some witches, whatever, even rode them. But was like, I want to learn to ride this one. He's like, I've ridden beasts 10 times its size. He's like, teach me. And Trejo says it'll take a tremendous amount of discipline. Um, but Bo was like, he wants to begin today. Trejo tells him, he's like, okay, stand in front of it. And he's going to remove the blinders. And it starts focusing on Boba. So at this point, it's like, uh, it's a trap. You know, it's a rancor from the, the huts. It's probably, it's going to try eating Boba Fett. It starts focusing on Boba. Then he goes up to he's like easy easy and he approaches it and he finds like oh you like that spot and he's like you know kind of rubbing it whatever 88 comes in he's like not now i'm busy but 88 continues he's like uh we've heard from the mayor's office he remains completely unavailable for the at least the next 20 days so boba tells trejo to feed the rancor and then he tells fennec to suit up he's like they're not waiting for an appointment so trejo tells the rancor not to worry he's like he'll be back at the mayor's office, um, four of the biker gang are, are come along too. 
And the major domo says, unfortunately, the mayor's schedule is a bit complicated. Fennec says that if he wishes to continue breathing, she advises him to weigh his next words carefully. And he's like, hmm, actually, I may be able to arrange some of the appointments that aren't as time sensitive as yours, or rearrange them, whatever. So he goes in the back room to see what he can do, but then the door sensor beeps and turns red, so he locked it. Fennec hacks open the control pad. She just like takes a knife out, like opens a control and just hit does something like hits a wire or something. So the door opens. Inside it's empty. Outside they see the major domo like going off on like a the speeder car, whatever. The bikers go after him. So this is thank goodness that he, Boba hired them. So there's a chase through the streets, which is uh not very great. It's a pretty slow chase. And where a lot of people are upset is the the Vespas, the space, the biker gang, they have these like Vespas and they're very brightly colored. So obviously the, the kids must have stole them. Where where did they get the money for these cyborg implants is, is the main thing. And where did they get the money for these Vespas? Did they, they must have stolen them, but they're brand new. You think they would be like beat up or whatever from the, the harsh conditions of tattooing? I don't know. But it's just kind of like ridiculous fight. And I think at one point, what's her name? The the lady that runs the starport that the Mandalorian would go to. I think she was seen in the background. I didn't notice her. One of my students mentioned that. So they finally get the, you know get the guy to crash and all this stuff like that. Boba flies down in his backpack. He's like, where is he? And he's like, he's with the Pikes. And so the mayor is apparently working with the Pikes. So then we see several pikes arrive at the starport. The ship lands in a bunch of them get out. One of the biker dudes reports to Boba that there's at least a dozen that arrived. Fennec says that this is just the first wave. So they're going to war. And Boba says, then we'll be ready. And that's where it ends. So it's going to be Boba versus the, the pikes, I guess. So we'll have to see. So just from, like I said, from the Clone Wars, I mean, the, the pikes, you don't mess with them. I mean, they're like hardcore so we'll have to see what's going to happen there. All right, with uh, Karate Kid, so I have to do episodes 406 to 410. I feel like I should go as in-depth, but we know that I can't do that often. So I'm going to try to be a little briefer. So episode 406, Kicks Get Chicks. It starts off with a there's an All-Valley tournament board meeting because one guy wants to move it to the next level level there's lots of argument they finally agree on some some changes sam is hitting a punching bag pretty aggressively and uh daniel comes with with the letter from the board about the new changes and he seems happy they're gonna be introducing skills competition uh like uh board breaking weapons display a katana sam says that there's gonna be a separate sees that there's gonna be a separate girls division so that means and daniel says that there's gonna be two all valley champions so but then what does that mean about the bet for Cobra Kai? Daniel says that there's going to be a grand champion trophy for whichever dojo wins the most points. So Sam says that the, the girl's champion is hers, but what about the guys? And Dimitri's like, you know, none of them are material. Johnny tells Eagle Fang that this is the worst thing that could have happened to them. He's like, uh, whatever the kata thing is, just dancing. He's like, girls division. He's like, I thought they were all about women's libs. He's like, they should just man up and take a punch like the rest of them. And Miguel says that it sounds like they could use some female students. Then he's like, fine, do any of you know any girls? Miguel tries saying that, you know, he knows things got heated, but maybe he could talk to Mr. LaRusso. He's like, I have nothing to say. We're better off without him. 
Terry sees uh, the letter. He's like, this is perfect. He's like, first LaRusso and, and Johnny split. And it's like, how does he even know this? He's like, now this. He's like, we're going to win before they even start. And then uh, some deliveries arrive, sort of getting some state-of-the-art stuff. Tori arrives at Cobra Kai. Um, this lady walks up to her and says, like, you're hard to find. She's like, are you avoiding your Auntie Candace now, sweetheart? So she's like, ignoring my calls. So Tori's asked her what she wants. And she she's like, to see you, of course, and to ask if, if my sister's disability came in yet. So Tori's like, that's for us, not for leeches like you. And then things start getting pretty tense. And her aunt says, you know, what is she going to do when her mother passes? And Tori gets mad because, you know, she's like, she's not dead yet or whatever. Then she starts saying, you know, who's going to take care of them? And Tori's like, well, I'm going to be 18 next year. And her aunt says, you're a high school dropout and a criminal. Tori's like, so are you. But her aunt's like, I know how to work the system. She's like, the judge will look at you and laugh you out of court. And she's like, see you at the funeral. Tick tock. So more pressure for Tori to deal with. Uh, Miguel takes Johnny to soccer field where girls are practicing. So he's going to try to convince them. And basically he comes across as, as creepy, like when he's talking to everyone or whatever. Um, Miguel sees Moon doing a cheer practice because they heard that there's a creepy perv on the tracks that are going inside. But Miguel's like, you should join a dojo. And she's like, that sounds like fun, but she's like, I don't want to hit anyone. She's like, you should talk to my ex. And he's like, Hawk? She's like, no, my other ex. She's not afraid to get into a fight. So after Hawk, Moon was dating a girl. So she's like, you should talk to her. So uh, the doorbell rings at the LaRusso's. Amanda answers it, and it's Tori. She's like, oh, you're knocking this time. And Tori's like, Mrs. Lusso, she's like, I, I need your help. So then Amanda's like, come in. She's like, you remember the way. So Tori says, uh, the principal said he'd consider letting her back into school because of her situation at home, but the Lurusos would have to sign off. Amanda says that you know, she's glad she wants to get her life back on track, but going back to school is a big step, and she needs her to promise something. And Tori's like, I'll stay away from Sam. It's like, I swear. She's like, that's great, but... I want you to get support. Talk to someone. You've been dealing with a lot. And she's like, you know, you have been for a while. Talk to a therapist, a guidance counselor. It doesn't matter. Just talk to someone who isn't karate related. And she says that, and she's like, whatever it takes. She's like, I'll do it. She's like, I need this. Then Daniel and Sam come home. And Daniel was saying that, you know, it was a setback. But, you know, the boys will improve. And they see Tori. And Sam's like, what? What the hell is she doing here? It's, it's just like you're acting like a spoiled brat. Hawk is sitting at his place. Dimitri like barges in because uh, he's like, I'm not good enough to be the champ. And he basically, uh, he, you know, he thinks Hawk, but Hawk doesn't. He's like, I'm not Hawk anymore because his his mohawk got, got shaved off. He's like, everyone at school knows what happened. It's embarrassing. Dimitri's like says, who, who, who cares what they think? He's like, besides, it'll grow back. And Hawk's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, I talked big and I was a jerk to everyone. It ruined my reputation. Dimitri's like, you know, Miyagi-Do needs you. And he, he's like, I'm not going back there. But he's like, I'm not going to Eagle Fang either. I'm done with karate. Miguel and Johnny talk to Piper, Moon's ex. She's actually been thinking about joining a dojo. Uh, but, you know, she doesn't want to be the last person in the valley to know karate. Sam's yelling at her mom. She's being a whiny baby. And she storms off. Daniel's like, you know, she has a point. Why are you helping this girl? And Amanda asks, did I ever tell you about when I got arrested? He's like, yeah, it was a high school prank. And she's like, yeah, by prank, I meant that I took a baseball bat to my math tutor's car with her in it. Daniel's like, what? And she's like, she was having an affair with my dad. The marriage was falling apart, and I thought the world was ending. So I was charged with misdemeanor, reckless endangerment, 
and I didn't get to walk graduation. She's like, I never told you because I was young and upset. She's like, so is Tori, you know. So she's not a, uh, you know, a lost. She maybe she's a lost cause, but you never know. Dimitri's talking to Hawk how he can't quit. You know, he's the one that got him into karate and stuff like that. And you know, he says that he's just happy playing Dragon Lord. You know, it's a that's a, the game that new kid was playing. Daniel um, goes to the convenience store by Cobra Kai. And he tries talking to Robbie. Robbie's just being annoying. And you know, he he's like, I'm not here to, to say what's been said before. He's like, I heard what you did to Eli, to Hawk. And Robbie's like, he got what he deserved. So it's like they held him down and they shaved his head, which is just it's so stupid. Daniel's like, I'm not here to judge you. He's like, I'm here to, to tell you what will happen next. And Terry Silver, uh, he's like, he popped up out of the blue, right? He did the same thing to me. He's like, he'll seem decent and show you some moves and just worm his way in. He'll make you feel more powerful than before, but he won't stop there. He's sick and twisted. And then Terry just happens to have walked in right now, and he's behind Daniel, but he doesn't know that. And so Daniel's like, when when Terry's done with you, you won't be Robbie anymore. Terry's like, he's not interested, Mr. Lurso. And he tells Robbie that the new equipment arrives. He's like, why don't you go you know, check it out or whatever. So he leaves, and he kind of looks back like he's thinking about Daniel's words, but he doesn't say anything. And Terry says that, you know, he's like, I didn't twist, you know, you into this. He's like, you know, you just woke, I just woke up what was there. He's like, you were a hothead and you loved it. You know, you were powerful and free. He's like, you just don't want to admit that there's always been a little Cobra Kai in you. So at Eagle Fang, like 20 minutes go by, Piper's late. Miguel goes to text, but then Miguel sees a video and it turns out Piper joined Cobra Kai. And they got these like new shirts. So they're posting about the new shirts and stuff that they got. Sam drives her Mercedes to Santa Barbara to visit Aisha, her friend from the first season. And, you know, she's complaining about her parents falling for Tori Saab's story about going back to school. Aisha talks about being, at, you know, new at her school and taking on proms and making a new best friend and, you know, all this stuff or whatever. Kind of getting Sam to, you know, rethink about, like, what she's complaining about. Johnny has an idea about someone wearing a wig in a tournament, like in that movie Ladybugs. And then Johnny sees uh, this new... Um, badass girl from the debate team. So he's going to try to get her to join. Hawk, um, Eli show up at Miyagi-Do and Sam tells Daniel, you know, it's fine about Tori. You know, she's like, okay, whatever. You know, she can go to school. Tori shows up at school. Everyone stares at her. Sam is standing there waiting. And Tori's like, I heard that you're letting me here, you know, let me be back here. And Sam cuts her off. She's like, my parents may have fallen for your BS, but I'm not scared of you. It's like, I'm in charge. If so much as look at me funny, I'll kick your butt for a third time. I'm coming for you, bitch. Like, ugh. Episode 407, Minefields. Middle school, Anthony's talking to Leah. So Anthony LaRusso. So apparently they used to be friends. She mentions being friends again. And so he's like, oh, just friends. And then she goes to talk to new kid. And then uh, Anthony's friends give him a hard time. And LaRusso ends up taking new kid's clothes after gym class. And he runs, uh, new kid runs out of, after him in the hall, he's just like his underwear and the kids are laughing. So it's just like, whatever. But he's like, you can't just steal someone's clothes. I mean, I feel like that would be like huge, you know, you'd get in trouble. Johnny tells Carmen he wants to tell Miguel that they're together. Um, Miguel f- finds his like belt or headband or something in a room. So he kind of figures it out. Anthony's looking at Leah's Instagram. Daniel says he wants to talk to him about what he found in his room. So he has new kid's Cobra Kai sweatshirt. So I guess he like just brought it home and everything like that. 
Daniel thinks that he's trying to rebel against him. And he's like, no, I'm just holding it for a friend. Then he's like, there's this kid in school and Cobra Kai has been giving me a hard time lately. And Daniel starts getting concerned. And Anthony's like, he's like oh, it's, you know, he's just messing around, uh, you know, name calling. And Daniel wants Anthony to go upstairs and, and get changed. So new kid is punching a dummy. He tells Robbie that he's angry. He wants to use his training to be like Robbie and kick their butts. Then Crease and Silver have an important lesson. Your opponent's weekend must be exploited whenever possible. Johnny and Carmen sit are talking with Miguel. It's a little awkward, but he's, he basically says he's okay with them dating. Daniel talks to Anthony, or he, he takes Anthony to Miyagi-Do. Um, he's impressed when he sees them working like with weapons and breaking boards. And it, But the first lesson is soap on, you know, crap off. Crease and Silver are picking students, so they're going to do a little bet about, you know, who's who's going to over like a six-pack. Johnny introduces the debate girl, Devin Lee, to Eagle Fang, so there's new, their new female um, champion. She mentions her pronouns, pronouns are she and her. Johnny says, the only pronouns we accept in this dojo are sensei and student. She's like, those are nouns. And he's like, sorry, I think what I meant to say is quiet. <laughs> So today's lesson is about cheating. He's like, you know, they don't believe in playing dirty, but Cobra Kai doesn't follow the same rule. So Devin mentions uh, someone throwing mud in their opponent's eyes in Bloodsport, and Johnny's like, exactly. So she's like, I saw the sequel and several others, and so he's going to put them in through the ringer. He's going to do all this stuff to them, except for Miguel. And he's like, why? And Johnny's like, the tournament's just around the corner. He's like, I can't afford for you to get hurt. So the first session is, is fighting with one arm tying, tied in case Cobra Kai dislocates your shoulder. So, um, and then there's training with like Devin kicking them all in the crotch. So Miguel's kind of getting like special treatment and uh, the others aren't really happy. So Kreese is winning the bet. And then Silver says double or nothing. So Kreese calls Robbie to the, to the mat. Silver calls new kid. Robbie kicks him and the new kid cringes and Robbie asks if he's okay. So they, they go to a corner. A new kid tells Terry, he's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, he doesn't have a weakness. And Silver's like, everyone has a weakness. And then Crease tells Robbie to stop playing and to take him down. Because uh, Silver at one point, you know, he, he kind of insinuated that he's like, even Sensei Crease has weakness. And he's like, he didn't like that. Then uh, Robbie kicks hit kicks new kid again he like cringes in pain robbie checks on him to see if he's okay and a new kid sweeps Robbie's, robbie's legs out and silver chuckles at crease so he won the bet eagle fang are all like icing their crotches the other kids tell miguel it's like oh must be nice being teacher's favorite it's like yeah is he gonna tuck you in at night daniel returns to miyagi Do. all the cars are clean but then he sees some big dude named Artie who's washing them anthony wasn't expecting him back so soon so he paid the guy and Danny's like, how? He's like, well, you set up Apple Pay with your credit card. And Danny's like, that was for a one-time purchase, not to use anytime you wanted. And Anthony's like, I know, but I just didn't want to do it. And he's like, Danny's like, you can't pay someone to do your hard work. He's like, you know what Mr. Miyagi would say if he were here? Anthony's like, I don't care. He's like, what? All you do is talk about Mr. Miyagi and karate. You know, he was a great man. He taught Sam her first move. I've heard all the stories, but I'm getting sick of it. And Danny's like, I thought you were mature enough to handle this. Guess I was wrong. Go back to your video games. So Carmen and Johnny about to have dinner. She's wondering why Miguel's so late. He says he comes home. He says he's lost track of time. Miguel um, isn't happy. He says that you know he was going to be happy for them, but they said that things wouldn't change. But you know they were weird in class. They're weird here. So he's, he says that like he's over it. Whatever. 
Anthony's looking at all the trophies, Mr. Miyagi pictures, thinks about his friend saying, let's see your moves. And he looks at this old scroll on, hanging on the wall. Daniel comes in. He's surprised he's there. And Anthony's like, I just feel like I'm out of loop with you know Mr. Miyagi. And Daniel's like, he tells a story about when he was born. You know, he was first looked at him and, and Anthony kicked Mr. Miyagi in the face. He's like, you're the only one to land a kick on him or whatever. He's like, don't worry about Cobra Kai. We'll handle it. So Johnny shows up um, at school to get Miguel to play hooky with him. He's like, I'll write you a note, whatever. So Anthony has a Cobra Kai jersey in his locker. He's about to take it out when Leah comes up. She talks about going to this county fair or, or something like that. Then she leaves and says, hey, to the new kid. Anthony's friends give him grief again. Anthony goes up to the new kid. He's like, he just wants to talk. He's like, you know, maybe we can start over. And new kid says, he's like, I have nothing to say. Lapuso. And then his friends laugh. <laughs> and he's like, call me that one more time and you'll regret it. And he says it again. He runs. They chase him. They go into the library. The lights go out somehow. And he starts taking them out. And then it, it gets down to Anthony alone. He's about to punch him in the face. And then this teacher or librarian comes in. He's like, what's going on? So Johnny and Miguel are eating in a, are sitting in a warehouse eating watermelon. Johnny says that you know things are weird because he doesn't have experience with this. You know he was there for Robbie. His dad left him when he was in kindergarten. His mom married this rich jerk. You know he felt so cheated. Miguel asks you know if he ever tried to find his dad to get his side of the story. He's like no. He's like I'm kind of afraid to find out the truth. Johnny says that you know he didn't have a male role model, and uh, you know so Johnny's just gonna show Miguel like the most badass kick, the flying tornado. So he has a bunch of like watermelons. And then Sam shows up. She's like, oh, nice place. She's like, but could use a woman's touch. And Johnny's like, does your dad know you're here? And she's like, she says that um, she told him that she's going to be learning both styles. Daniel and Amanda have to go to school about Anthony's fight. And, you know, he's like, I'll make sure the kid who does this doesn't, you know, get off lightly. They, they see him sitting next to the new kid, you know, outside the office. Principal brings him in. They say, he's like, oh, I hope the punishment's severe. And the principal's like, oh, it will be. He's like, I've already spoken to the other, to the parents of the other offending students. And they're getting suspended, as is your son. And they're like, what? He's like, they have proof. So there's video of Anthony and his friends chasing new kid down the hall. He's like, it's not the first time. They somehow have the, the milk video. He's like, and we still don't know how to get all that milk in there. He's like, they've been cyberbullying him for some time. So Anthony has been a real bully this year. And a new kid smiles when he sees Anthony's parents uh, look at him from the office. And he's like, I got you. Crease brings Silver's six-pack. Crease wants to know what Silver thinks his weakness is. And he talks about the, the cage in Nam. You know, Crease says that he wasn't afraid that Silver was. You know, Crease is the one that got him out of the cage. And then he got him out of another one he created for himself with his you know, rich life. So, you know, he has to fall back and follow his lead. There's, you know, lots of landmines out there. If he doesn't watch his step, it'll all blow up. And you can see Silver's not happy. Episode 408, party time. Raymond uh, Stingray is, is crashing at his sister's. Neighbor's not happy with him, you know, blasting music. There's Frisbees on his roof. And he says that, you know, he just likes to hang out with kids and play kung fu all day. It's pathetic. And he's like, my name's not Raymond, it's Stingray. Terry's punching a bag. Kree says it's time for class. Terry's like, he's like, I, you know, I haven't forgotten that I wouldn't be here if, if not for you. He's like, I'll do anything. Um, Kyler's talking about prom. Robbie asks Tori if she's going to go. And Kree says that, 
Today's lesson is about balance, getting into your opponent's head to throw them off. So they pair up. Robbie tells Tori that she should go to prom. It'll mess things up for you-know-who. And she's like, not as much as if you went. He's like, well, I can't go. He's like, they won't let me in. And she's like, well, maybe they would if, if you went with me. And he's like, did you just ask me to prom? And she's like, it's a tactical move. And he mentions about you know getting a ride in a tux. Terry hears this. He's like, oh, I think it'll be a good idea. He's like, if you're going, you're going to go in style. Then Stingray walks in. Kreese tells him, he's like, you were never part of this dojo. He's like, you're a buffoon. He's like, you have no value. You will never be Cobra Kai. So LaRusso um, has Louie and his sister over. Daniel's mom's there too. Miguel and Carmen and her mom come with Johnny. Sam um, comes down in her prom dress, so they're taking pictures and having dinner or whatever. Johnny and Carmen return to their apartments. Shannon is there waiting for him, like Robbie's mom. So she wants to talk. She's like, some rich guy, Silver, came over to the house and gave Robbie a card to take to prom, saying that he and his date were going to go first class all the way. He also gave her a wad of, of hundreds to make sure Robbie was taken care of. He said that he'd find her a new place to live and even offered her a job. She tried talking to Robbie, but the guy has his hooks in him. And she's like, since it's Cobra Kai or whatever, he's like, you have to handle this. And he's like, don't worry, I will. So prom, um, things are going fine. Then Tori and Robbie stroll in. And it's, just, it's so ridiculous, so lame when they, they come in, whatever. Uh, Johnny breaks into Cobra Kai's back door with a crowbar. Then a, a phone in the office is ringing. It's Terry. So he asks Johnny if he's breaking and entering now because there's a camera in the office. It's like, why would he have a camera there? It just seems so weird. Johnny's like, he's like, I don't know what your deal is, but you can keep your cars and your cash away from my son. Silver says that, you know, he's like, I'll take good care of him. He's like, also, Shannon deserves better. Johnny says that he's going to kick him and crease his butt back to the nursing home. Silver's like, oh, I'd like to see you try. And he tells him, he's like, go to the corner of Magnolia and Lincolnshire. He's like, I'm sure you know it well. Robbie and Tori walk by Miguel and Sam. And Robbie, like, bumps into him. And then he, she's like, they're, they're watching us. And Robbie's like, well, let's put on a show. So this is might be like the worst moment in Cobra Kai history. It's just this completely, utterly cheesy dance sequence. It's just so, so ridiculous. Uh, you know, so apparently Tori and Robbie are both have taken dance lessons. And it's just it's just so stupid. And Miguel and Sam are just like really bummed, you know, just watching them. So Louie's sister is apparently a therapist, even though she's like a total like Jersey girl or whatever. And she knows her stuff. And, you know, so they're talking about like Anthony getting therapy or whatever, but she wants to talk to them. And then they're like getting defensive when she's asking all this stuff. Like Amanda's like, what are you writing? What are you writing? And then, you know, what she's writing is like, you just failed the test. So, you know, they're no, she knew that they're, and she did know her stuff. You know, she says all this stuff. Kreese and Terry are at the location of the old Cobra Kai dojo. So Terry thinks that they're putting it up for sale. Terry says that after they win to All Valley, they can go back to the roots right there. And he has agents looking for other locations for when they expand. So apparently Robbie's mom was a dancer. And Tori says that, you know, all she's talking about how all the Encino kids have their life set out for them. She says she can win the trophy. She can, you know, look at it, know she was the best at something. And Miguel's, he's starting to get bothered that Sam keeps staring at them. It's just like, dude. Johnny shows up at the old Cobra Kai place. 
Silver um, kicks him in the face as soon as he walks in. He's like, that's what you get for betraying your sensei. Kreese is surprised that because, you know, Silver said he had another surprise for him. He's like, they should be tr- focusing on a tournament. And Silver says that Miguel will be disillusioned when his sensei is beaten to a pulp. As, as he talked, Johnny attacks him. They fight. Silver says it looks like LaRusso has taught him some defense, and, but maybe not enough. Kreese is like, let him go. He's like, you know, we agreed to settle this at the tournament. And then he's like, what happened to No Mercies? He's like, I thought you knew better than to question me. He's like, I thought this was what you wanted. String Stingray has a prom after party at his sister's place. So he's like, where is his sister that she's letting all this happen? So everyone shows up. The neighbor comes in yelling that he's going to call the police. Stingray hits him a couple times, and then they start chanting his name. Um, it's like, why does the neighbor call the police in? Because that's assault. So it's just, just so stupid. I don't know. Stingray. Daniel talks to Anthony. Uh, he wants to help him grow to be a better person. They hear a chime. Anthony was hiding an iPad. You know, he wasn't supposed to have any device. So Daniel gets mad. He snaps it in half. He's like, you're going to learn. And and Anthony is just like freaked out. Sam starts a, a fight with Tori. And Miguel tries like stopping them. They end up on, on a, so this is at Stingray's after party. Um, so they, they end up, uh, like fighting on the floor they're like all there robbie sees this and of course runs at miguel thinks that you know miguel's attacking Corey or whatever sam uh grabs and twists his w- wrist and she says you know you, you think i broke your heart you broke mine too and tori sweeps her legs out they're all all four of them are fighting miguel tori sam end up going in a pool and in stingray is like yeah everyone jump in and tori um she she says robbie's like oh you managed to stay dry and then she pulls him in and then Miguel's like mad at Sam that, you know, she's just pushing things like, why is she still, you know, hung up on, on Robbie? You know, she's supposed to be with Miguel. Miguel goes to Johnny's. Um, he's on the ground. You know, there's beer bottles on the floor. He's drunk. You know, he's got beat up. Uh, he says, it's like, oh, that old man could kick. Miguel helps him to his bed. Johnny drunkenly says, he's like, oh, I want to be a father to you. You know, I just suck at it. So Miguel tears up. He's like, you're doing just fine. And he's like, I love you. And Johnny's like, I love you too, Robbie. So then Miguel is sad. Robbie and Tori make out in, in Terry's car. I don't know if they're going to do more to make out. Um, and she talks about it. She's like, oh, I got to return to stress, you know, because the tag's still on it. Um, Anthony took out the trash. He admits that he was wrong. He wants to help. Silver is drunk. Stingray comes in. Silver says, Crease already told him to get out. Stingray is like, you know, ask any of the kids. He's like, they want me here. He's like, I'll do anything. And Terry's like, you want to be Cobra Kai? And he starts hitting him. He's like, you want to be Cobra Kai? Kick, hit. You want to be Cobra Kai? Just giving Stingray a beat down. Episode four, nine to fall. It's all valley. Um, the place looks pretty small. So it's like, how many dojos are there? I think there's only like, like three or three of them, it looks like. But I think there's actually nine, according to the boards. It's like, where, where are they all going to fit? Because, you know, they're all like standing around like the, the, the mats. It just seemed like it was a lot bigger before. Um, Johnny and Daniel each give their dojos a pep talk. Uh, weapons, dancing, board breaking. The weapons seem weird. And, and like the boards are like really thin. It's, it's what's going on. So then Cobra Kai is at number one. Miyagi Doan's at number two. Eagle Fang's at sixth place so far. They have a special guest. Carrie Underwood comes out because uh, one of the the guys on the, the All Valley board knew someone that knew some or whatever. So everyone goes crazy. So I guess everyone in the Valley is country music fans. That They're all excited, whatever. So I was like, okay. 
Um, then they do like they show like the qualifying rounds, like montages as Underwood singing. New Kid even wins a match. He's so he. How much t- time did he go? Has gone by. He's gone from this scared little kid, and now he knows all this stuff. I don't know. Maybe Cobra Kai really teaches things quickly. Daniel starts to realize that Cobra Kai knows her moves, and Sam's like, "I wonder how." So it's a quarterfinals, eight boys, eight girls. Overall points determine the dojo winner. The points get higher with each round. Daniel talks to Robbie about wanting to beat him so badly he gave Cobra Kai all their secrets, and he smugly says, I did what I had to to win. So he's basically just a complete piece of crap. Daniel says that if all he cares about winning, that he didn't learn anything that he taught him. And Robbie says that they all think that their way is the only way. He's like, I'll do whatever works for me. And Daniel gives him another bit of uh, another secret he can share. He's like, never put passion in front of principle. Even if you win, you lose. So, and Robbie has no comeback for that. So Moon talks to Eli, to Hawk. And she's like, you know, don't let Kyler get to you. You know, he's always been a bully. And he's like, you know, don't let your hair define you. And he says that he lost his confidence. And then she gives him like this big, like passionate kiss. It's like then it's it's time for Kyler versus Eli. So he's feeling good now after the kiss. Um, he tells uh, Daniel, he's like, oh, I'm good now. He's like, I know who I am. So first point to Eli, point to, to Kyler, point to Eli. Eli wins. Sam versus Piper, the sort of new Cobra Kai. Piper gets a point. Piper tells uh, Piper says Robbie said that they only have defense, and without that, they're nothing. So then uh, Sam thinks. She looks at her dad. Then she looks at, at Johnny, and he gives a little nod. So point to LaRusso, and Piper's like surprised. Daniel's surprised too because he's like he knows that wasn't Miyagi Do move. Then Sam gives this roundhouse roundhouse kick to the face in the next opening move. She gets a point. Then she gets another point, so she wins. And Johnny's like yes. And Daniel says, "What was that out there?" You know, she's like Eagle Fang. And he's like, "That's what I thought." How'd you pick it up so much? She's like, "It doesn't matter. I won." And he's like, "You didn't win the right way." And it's just like whatever. He's like. And she's like, maybe my right way is different than yours. And then um, Robbie and New Kid have to fight each other because it's that this it seems stupid. It's, it's I guess it's just luck at a draw. It's like they're competing. I mean, I guess if there's you know if you're eliminating you know certain player or certain fighters to get to the top. So, but even how, how did he even get this far? It's like that's just ridiculous. Is, are there weight classes? I just don't understand this. So um, new kid gets gets a first point. Then Crease calls a timeout, and he's like, "Are you fighting a friend or your opponent?" He's like, "I thought you wanted to be a champion." So Robbie just nods, kick to the face, point to Robbie, another point to Robbie. Then Robbie doesn't even um, put his hands up. He's just toying with him. He kicks him in the nose, and new kid runs out of the, the area. And Robbie wants to go after him, but Tori's like, "Oh, just let him cool off." But it's just like, whatever, dude. Uh, Daniel and, and Johnny argue about Sam and Miguel. Eli versus Miguel. Uh, Johnny tells Miguel that he's beaten Hawk before, so take his ass out. Miguel questions that. He's like, he's my friend. And Johnny's like, he's fighting for LaRusso. He picked his side. Whose side are you on? He's like, yours. He's like, are you sure? He's like, Hawk may be your friend, but if you want to win this, you're going to have to beat him. He's like, Who's, then he's like, whose side are you on? And Johnny's like, what does that mean? So then they go up, block, 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 no point. Um, it continues. Miguel does this weird spin in the air. And it's, it's almost like, like, how many spins is he doing? Or like, what's the point of that? He goes to kick, but then it's almost like something in his spine snaps and he falls. And they're like, medic, slow motion, sensei. 
that's the end of the ninth episode uh, which I'm I'm so glad that wasn't the end of the the season <laughs> if they left it a cliffhanger like that I thought they were going to leave like some weird cliffhanger but not quite last episode uh, 410 the rise it starts so it starts off at a hospital there's like brain scan images stingray wakes up nurse comes in call the detective tell him that the John Doe woke up at the tournament the medic tells Miguel looks like he just pulled a muscle <laughs> it's like it seemed like it was more than that uh, he may ache for a bit but he'll be fine he asks if he can keep fighting and she's like they've given him 30 minutes to recover so let the pain guide him so then it's a uh, Robbie versus Dimitri. It's you know two two to zero for Robbie. He tells him to or to go to Sensei's. He talks to Daniel. He makes a Star Wars reference about how he barely beat him when he was on the light side, and now he's all Sith. Eli says that Dimitri's taller. He has a high ground. That's how Obi Wan beat Anakin. So Dimitri does better. You know he starts you know doing a little better, but he still gets the leg swept out. Point to Robbie. Robbie wins. New kid is still in the bathroom, tending to his bloody nose, looking at his reflection. Then Anthony walks in. He says that he saw his match out there. And he's like, uh, he, I saw Robbie compete last year. He's like, you know, he's one of the best. New kid's like, what do you want? And Anthony's like, um, I guess I just want to say, I'm sorry, okay, for all the the poop I did. It's like, it wasn't cool. And I guess I was just trying to, and new kid's like, impress your friends by picking a new kid who didn't have any. Anthony's like, it's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I can imagine what that felt like. Oh, you can imagine? Okay, go ahead. Tell me how it felt. And he's like, uh, not great. New Kids says, he's like, you don't know. He's like, then you should. And he kicks him in the gut. He keeps hitting him. And he slams against the lockers. And then Robbie comes in and pulls New Kid off. He's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, just getting payback on a kid who thought he could bully me and get away with it. And Robbie's like, Anthony was your bully? And New Kid's like, not anymore. He gets in his face. Get ready for high school next year because you're going to be in a world of pain. And Robbie's like, hey, that's not how I trained you. And New Kid's like, it's Cobra Kai. No mercy. And he walks out. Robbie tries to check and see if Anthony's okay. And he's just like, he like knocks his hand away. He's like, I'm fine. And he, he tries um, talking. And Anthony's just like, I said, leave me alone. And he runs out. Tori wins a match. Then Sam wins a match. Um... And it almost looks like Tori's a little nervous, but maybe not. Kreese uh, runs into Johnny in the hall, and he's like, how's the boy? He's like, like, you give a poop? And Kreese is like, look, what happened with Terry at the old dojo? I didn't know he was going to do that. Johnny's like, I don't have time for this poop. And Kreese is like, it didn't have to be this way. You could have been with me and, and your real son. And he's, like, and he's like, you don't care about Robbie anymore, and you care about me. And he's like, bull poop. He's like, I care more about you than anyone. You had a funny way of showing it, making me fight dirty. He, and he thinks back to the sweep the leg moment. Johnny says that you know he wanted him to sacrifice his soul to win. Kree says that he was down and he knew that if he lost, he'd go on a downward spiral. And he was right. No matter what people say, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. If, if I can help Robbie win, he'll remember it for the rest of his life. And maybe someday he can be the one to keep Cobra Kai going. Johnny's like, that's never going to happen because tonight Cobra Kai is going to die. Miguel um, tells Johnny he doesn't think he can do it. And Johnny's like, you know, you've come all this way. It's time to show the world what you're made of. He's like, you know, we're not going to get another shot after this. It's now or never. So if they lose, he's like, I'm not your sensei anymore. Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do are neck and neck for first. Eagle Fang still has a chance. Um, Miguel has one minute to return to the match. Um so time keeps going by. They're looking, looking. Okay, any any second now, time runs out. 
So Eli wins by default. Hill advance and face uh, Robbie Keane. Johnny goes to look for Miguel, and he's not in the back, so he took off. Miguel, actually, he's another part. He sees Sam in the hall, and he says he just didn't feel like he was fighting for himself anymore. And she's like, yeah, I get it. So basically, you know, Miguel doesn't care if, if Johnny's his sensei anymore because he knows they're, they're going to lose. Um, Cobra Kai only needs to win one match to be crowned grand champion. But if Miyagi-Do wins both matches, the title's theirs. So first it's a boys fight. Um, Robbie versus Eli. Point to Robbie. Eli calls a timeout. He tells uh, Daniel that he knows all his moves. Sam and the others just, um, you know, look at Daniel. Then he says, you were in Cobra Kai longer than him. You know each other's karate better than anyone. Put him on a defense. So then he goes at him. They both uh, jump. Eli lands a point. A point to Eli. So, or lands a kick. One to one. Eli almost gets another point, but it's blocked. Then, of course, <laughs> Robbie's shirt like opens up. Eli uh, gets him down, but then the, the buzzer goes off because they reached the, uh, their three-minute time limit in a one-to-one tie. So for the first time since 1985, the championship will be decided by sudden death overtime. Go to your senseis. Silver gets in Robbie's face. It's like, you're showing him respect. He's like, this fight should be over by now. And Silver turns his back. And Robbie's like, you want to fight him? And Terry turns around. He walks towards him. And Robbie stops him. He's like, you're angry. Good. Use it. Eli asked Daniel for advice on the last point. And he looks at Sam. He looks at Johnny. He's like, give him all you got. And Robbie tries um, his best to, to get his, his top back up. <laughs> He's like trying to fix his shirt. And he gets frustrated and just takes it off. <laughs> I'm just like, what the heck? And then Eli looks at the ref. The ref shrugs. So Eli takes his top off. <laughs> and and what, what's hilarious is like the, the Cobra Kai Instagram, they, they even put this, this clip up. They're like, and then suddenly it was like shirtless fighting or something like that. <laughs> I was like, what was the point of this? Uh, so then, like you see Eli's back tattoo. tattoo. They do the hawk screech, even though he doesn't have the, the mohawk anymore. Robbie goes at him, flying kick. Eli ducks. He he backs, um, falls, jumps. He does, you know, the back flip, jump up, whatever. Robbie gets him down. He's distorted. Um, or you, you hear distorted shouting from New Kid. You know, Robbie just looks at him. Then uh, he, he, he lets Eli... Um, or this this distraction lets Eli kick Robbie off him. They both get up. Robbie does his um his his he puts his arms down or whatever. And it's like come on or whatever. And he's like kind of taunting at him. Comes at him. Eli manages to get him down and kick to the stomach. Point winner. Eli is a boys champion. So it all comes down to the girls final. You could kind of predict this. I mean, you know that if, if they only have to win one match, we have to have the Tory versus Sam showdown. So it was a given that Robbie was going to have to lose. So Robbie starts walking out. Tori comes after him and asks if he's all right. And he says that he tells her to concentrate on her fight, that he needs to clear his head. Then Amanda comes out and she's like, I guess it comes down to his final match. And Tori's like, yeah. She's like, I should get back in there. Amanda blocks her. She's like, uh, I spoke to Dr. Hiller. And she said that you've been coming, you know, to your appointments. And Tori's like, yeah, you know, she helped me, you know, find a volunteer to help with my mom. And she's like, thanks. I owe you for that. And Amanda's like, well, then you can pay me back now by making sure Sam doesn't get hurt. Tori's like, it's karate. She's like, I, how can I promise that? Amanda's like, I'm not asking you to back down. I just want you to play by the rules, even if I still don't understand them. She says that you know, she's like, I'm going out there to root for my daughter. 
what I'm really rooting for is that this fight finally puts an end to all this bull poop between you two. So she, you know, Tori kind of thinks about that. And Daniel goes to Johnny. He says he wants his help. He's like, the kids can learn from both of them to create their own way. He didn't want that to ruin Mr. Miyagi's legacy, but they need to think about what's best for the kids. You know, Miyagi did tell him that one day he'll do things his own ways. Um, He says that he's sorry he didn't see it sooner. Johnny says sorry, too. Um, He said that he freaked out seeing Daniel and Miguel bonding. So Miyagi Fang. And Daniel's like, like for today. So the crowd... Um, hears that Sam is joined by both senseis. Daniel makes sure to correct the announcer that Johnny is also a two-time All-Valley champion. So that was that was nice of Daniel. So it starts, kick to Tori's face, and she's shocked. Johnny tells Daniel it was his flying tornado kick, and she runs, Tori runs the silver increase. She's not using Miyagi Do. She's fighting aggressive. Silver tells her to get more aggressive. You know, um, he's seen what's inside her. He's like, let it out. Shot to Sam's gut, point Tori. Kick to Sam, two points Tori. Sam goes uh, goes to them, asks what style should she use. Daniel's like, yours. He's like, trust your instinct. Use everything you learned from me and Sensei Lawrence. Sam does some showy moves that confuses Tori a little bit. Tori bounces around and Sam's like calm. They interlock. Sam finally gets the shot. The ref says no point because her foot went out of, out of bounds after the shot. Everyone boos because she got the shot. And uh, it's still two to one, it's two to one. Tori, Sam gets a shot to Tori's, Tori's chest. It must have hurt a little bit because she's like uh, in shock. Two to two, kick blocked by Tori. Struggle, roll, struggle, roll. Tori hits Sam with an elbow to the face. No point. Go to your senseis. But Tori's like, like, oh, that was an accident. She's like, I'm sorry. And Silver tells Tori that if she comes in like that again, give her a shot to the other eye. If she can't see, she loses. Tori's like, I could get disqualified. And Silver says, just just do what you did. Disguise it as a counter. Robbie's like listening. And Silver's like, the worst you'll get is another warning. And he's like, trust me, this rough will never end the match on a technicality. And Tori's like, accident? She's like, I don't need to cheat to win. Kreese is thinking back to what Johnny was, was saying when he got you know second place. Telling, and he's like, second place is no place. He's like, you're off the team. And then you know the fight in the parking lot. Silver asked Tori that since when does she disobey an order? And Kreese finally says, let her do what she wants. And he's to Tori, he's like, you've come this far. This is your fight now. Whatever happens, it's up to you. So Tori finally gets a shot at Sam's gut. She goes to Sam. She's like, are you all right? And Tori's the first female champion. So Cobra Kai is a winning dojo. Silver mentions that they're about to open Cobra Kai franchise across the valley. Robbie stares at Johnny Smugly. Sam says to, to Daniel that they did the right thing and they still didn't win. And he's like, it's not your fault. And she runs off. After Carmen goes to Johnny, he says that one of the parents said they saw Miguel get into an Uber. He's like, what's an Uber? And so he left before the finals. So it's like weird. He didn't even stay to see how uh, Sam did. Well, I guess he's, he's still mad at her, whatever, from the prom. I don't know. But they talked. So Kyler's going to have a party at his place. Tori's going to go back inside to get something out of her locker. And she hears hear Silver, I almost thought you were going to back out of our deal. You played it just right. So he's talking to the ref. No one suspects a thing. Money will be in your account tomorrow morning. So she should have lost that when that foot went out. The ref was dirty. Johnny drives by the old Cobra Kai place. Um, it's it's for lease now, so they're leaving the place. It's going to be a vape city. <laughs> the, the place is open for some reason, so he goes inside. 
everything is like wiped clean except for the, the strike first, strike hard, no mercy writing that he put up on the wall. He thinks back to like when he first stenciled it, whatever. Then Robbie walks in. He's like, I, I followed you, whatever. Robbie says that they're moving to a new location, actually multiple locations, he, he thinks. Johnny's like, you know, you kicked butt today. And then, um, you know, something's bothering him, whatever. And he's like, it's not the match. It's this kid, Kenny. It's a new kid. He's like, I thought that I could take him under my wing and be his mentor, that you know, be the mentor that I wish I had when I was younger. But when I saw him today, it was like looking in a mirror. He's like, I realized I screwed everything up. He's like, I realized that I had all this hate for, for you know, Johnny and Miguel. And he's like starting to have tears. He's like, I, I thought that, you know, he could use Cobra Kai to control that, but it just made things worse. He's like, now it'll never get better. And Johnny says that, you know, he had a good thing with LaRusso and, you know, Johnny got in the way. He's like, don't blame yourself, blame me. And Robbie shakes his head. He's like, I'm sick of blaming you, dad. Which I don't know if he actually calls him dad often, but he did. So Johnny gives him a hug. Robbie hugs back. And Johnny's like, it's going to be all right. He's like, we'll figure it out. So Terry opens a 1938 bottle of champagne at his place. He, he thanks Kreese for waking something in him that he forgot about. So it's a toast to Cobra Kai. And Terry says that, you know, he surprised Kreese back down a, a little on Tori. And then he, he mentioned that when he said that he had a weakness, it was Johnny Lawrence. He's like, that's what this was all about. It wasn't about them teaming up or living the glory days. And Terry says that his weakness is Crease. And Crease says that he has it backwards. He's like, he's like, I'm your strength. He's like, I've been building you up since Vietnam. And Terry's like, there it is, the guilt cart. He's like, how many times am I going to have to repay you until we're square? And then it's like some uh, police squads come up. Terry just looks at Crease. He's and he's like, or, or Crease is like, what'd you do? So then a cut to the hospital with Stingray. There's a dude in a suit, detective. He's like, it's okay, Raymond. The man, the man who did this can't hurt you anymore. Give me his name, and I promise I'll put him away for a long time. So then they're, they're flashback to Silver saying, you want, you want to be Cobra Kai? Punch. You want to be Cobra Kai? Then we see him grabbing Stingray on the ground. You want to be Cobra Kai? First, you got to do something for me. And in, in the hospital, Stingray's like, his name is Sensei Kreese, John Kreese. So Terry, in the present winter, he said that he's shedding his weakness. So the cops come. They arrest Kreese for aggravated assault and attempted murder. Silver mockingly asks, what did you do? He's like, well, I'm sure I can find an old friend or two to help out while you figure out your legal problem. And Kreese is like, you're going to regret this. I am Cobra Kai. And Terry says, he's like, oh, don't worry about Lawrence. I'll take care of him, too. And Terry just drinks his champagne. Johnny comes home and hears voices. He goes to Carmen's. There's a note from Miguel. Last few months were a roller coaster. He thought he could get over it by focusing on a tournament. To figure things out, he needs to know where he's from, so he needs to face his past. He's going to go to Mexico City. He needs to meet his father. Johnny says, he's like, well, I'm going to you know, find him, make sure he's safe. But she's like, there's something else I didn't say about my ex-husband. And Johnny's like, yeah, I know. He was a bad dude. And Johnny's like, I can take care of myself. She's like, no, he doesn't know Miguel exists. So, um, I mean, if he might be like, oh, this is my son, and maybe he wants him to take on the family business or whatever, and he's not going to let him go, or maybe he doesn't want him, he's going to kill him. And then we see Daniel's at, at Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi's grave. He says he tried doing everything right, 
and even got over his rivalry with Johnny. Now he has to close a dojo. He's like, there's too much at stake to honor an agreement with men who have none. If Cobra Kai is going to keep growing and getting stronger, I need to do whatever it takes to stop them, even if it means going on the offense. <laughs> it's so funny. That it's, it's all about this karate. The, the sanctity of karate in the valley is at risk. <laughs> then he's like, I know this isn't your fight, and this is a lot to ask, but will you help me put an end to Cobra Kai? And you see standing off to the side, it's a dude from Karate Kid 2, Chosen, that we saw when Johnny went to Okinawa. So he's going to help whatever Miyagi, Fang, Do, they do. And that's where it ends. So, yeah, Miguel's going to Mexico City. Johnny's going after him. And, um, yeah, what's, I don't know. So it was a it was a good season, and um, not quite the crazy cliffhanger that I thought it was going to be. But um, yeah, so there you go. So I, I feel like I feel like I watched it so long ago now. So hopefully that wasn't too late. But there is your brief, <laughs> your quote unquote brief uh, synopsis of the second half of season four of Cobra Kai. So when do we get season five? It's going to be too long for now. Okay, then it is finally time for the movie feature. So we're going to talk about Scream. So one of the, the, the first thing that's, that's interesting is the title. Because this is basically Scream 5, but it's just called Scream. And it's kind of like a reboot, but it's not a reboot. It's, it's, it is a direct sequel to Scream 4. So Scream 4 was 2011. I recently rewatched the, the, the four movies over like the past the week before. And, you know, they're, they're good movies. The, the fascinating thing about them, there, there's a couple of things that, that really stand out to me. One is that, you know, you don't have, it, it, you don't have like a Michael Myers or a Jason. You know, it's not the same killer each time. So part of the thing is like, while the movies are really good and I really enjoy them, you, you have that aspect as to, okay, what, what's going to be the killer's motive? Who is is taking on the guise of Ghostface to k- start killing all these people? What's you know? Because what what is their motive? Why are they doing this? It's not the same person, so there has to be. Some, and you know, we've seen with the various sequels, there's like this connection this to this family member, or this or something like that, and you know, it's all about revenge or or doing this or that. So, you know that that can only go happen so so many times. And so I, I kind of wonder what this movie is. It's like, you know, do we really need another movie? And I'm, I'm glad we got this one. The other thing that, that what I notice and what I, I kind of like throughout the, the, the movies is a lot of times Ghostface, you can hear Ghost, the whoever is under the mask, like grunting or, or you know, they, they take some shots. They get knocked down. They fall and stuff like that. So they're not like this this perfect unstoppable killing machine you know they're you can see it's just a person and in some some situations they're just like this an an average person an inexperienced you know whatever they have no training and you know you do have to wonder how they they accomplish all this stuff you know how much planning they must have done or whatever but i i kind of like that that aspect that it kind of humanizes the the character the killer a little more that it's not this like perfect, you know, person that you know they are going to make mistakes, but they must just be very lucky. So the idea here now with this movie, this is um, where it's it's kind of hard to because I really don't want to spoil things, and I'm not sure like how much is is known and you know what, what's out there. But it it starts it's like 25 years after the, the first movie, and 
in the the movie universe, I guess there's been eight stab movies that are based off off of this. And it it starts off where you know this this high schooler Tara is at home and you know she's texting her friend and then the landline rings and it's kind of funny you're like you know what who's calling a landline you know who even has a landline or whatever and you know it starts off as this guy he's saying that you know he's calling from oh is it their mother's group session or something like that and and then you know it turns out it's it's the killer and you know wants to play it at the the game she's threatening her friend and. You know, because he he shows like a video of her like getting ready in, in her room or whatever, and you know she doesn't play the game right that you know her friend's gonna live or stuff like that, or her friend's gonna get killed. But then of course you know the because at one point he's like you know how does all the stab movies start and they're like yeah with you know with someone at home answering the phone and so then uh, the the killer's actually there after Tara. So it, it goes from there. But what, what's a little different, or what, what's different from the other movies is, spoiler, Tara survives. She gets attacked a lot, but she, she doesn't get killed. So while, you know, we have the whole thing of, you know, of, uh, of, of Nev Campbell, of Sydney Prescott surviving, but this, this felt a little different because, you know, Sydney, you know, she didn't get like brutally stabbed, like over, you know, get like broken bones or anything like that. So, you know, you really see Tara in the hospital, like she barely survived, and it almost adds like a different angle on it, you know, with, with this part. And then um, what has what happens after that is her older sister, Sam, she hears about the attack and she's gonna return. To Woodsboro, Woodsboro, Woodsboro. Woodsboro. <laughs> I can't say that because she like left a while ago, and you know she hasn't talked to her sister in like I think it was like five years or something like that. But she's coming back, and her boyfriend like insists on on, on going with him, and um, so it, it goes from so um, there. There's like some history, you know. What what's the deal with Sam? Why did she leave? And and you know, there's a little bit of tension. And we, we start to see like who are all, who are these other characters? Who are these new kids that are, are you know on the movie poster if you look at it? But um, the sheriff from I don't know if, if she was in the last movie or the last two whatever, but she's there. She has a kid, um, and then you know there, there's other kids that are like related to you know some of the other other survivors and stuff like that. So you know there's there's a connection there and obviously that's going to put them at at risk and um you know we do see dewey we've we we i don't think it's a spoiler but like dewey and gail aren't together for some reason and you know we we do see where sydney's at because like once it comes out that you know there was an attack you know dewey like he calls Sydney and he tells her and he's like, you know, you know, stay away, you know, don't, don't come back because of this or whatever. I think she was like up in, in Washington or Oregon or something like that. And, you know, we, we find out a little bit of how Sydney has, has been able to move on and, and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's another murder and, you know, things start getting worse and stuff like that. And then one of the things that bothered me though, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place is when there's like another murder or another whatever. And then um, cause I don't know if Gail was in New York because they, she talked about that, like when they were together that, you know, she wanted to go there and, and it didn't like work for Dewey or something like that. But Woodsboro, I'm assuming is in California. Cause you know, we see California license plate. I'm pretty sure. 
so it's like Gail gets there right away. And the same thing like Sydney, she like shows up and if you know she's up in Washington, she gets there like super fast. So I don't know if there's just like a time jump or something like that, but it's just it seems like they get there so fast. So it it kind of goes from there and you know there's a lot of the the meta commentary about you know scary movies and the stab movies and which in a sense is like the scream movies. And and I I feel like they do a good job and you know there's the main thing is like when when the the kids are together along with Dewey, whatever, and and kind of Gail a little bit. You know, it's like they, you know, who who is a suspect? They're all suspects. You know, they how well do they know each other? And you know, the killer could be any of them, and and stuff like that. Or you know, what what's the motive? So, without I I really feel like I'm tiptoeing around things because I don't want to give anything away. But I feel like they just did a, a really good job balancing everything, and you know. You you have the different aspects of, you know, trying to set up the different deaths and, you know, different situations. They know there's a killer out there. So, you know, they should be prepared. But, you know, things still kind of happen and everything like that. As far as, like, the reveal and the motive and everything, you know, obviously that could be a little iffy. But I I think it's it's fine. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's good enough. And um, it, it, I was satisfied with it. it, it it's fine. And, um, you know, we, we get some good closure. Would there be another one? I mean, it doesn't seem like there should be. But I guess there is one aspect that is kind of left hanging a little bit that could easily, I guess, be used to, to try to do another one. I really don't think that they should do another another one. I don't know. Because, you know, this, the main, the, the hard thing for me is this is the first of the screen movies not directed by Wes Craven, because obviously he's no longer with us. And I actually, I got a little emotional at the end, you know, right at the beginning. It's like, you know, there was a dedication to him. You know, that, that kind of made me you know, a little sad. But um, I, I feel the movie did do him um, like justice. You know, they, they did a, a good job with it. So, I mean, basically, summary, if you watch the other movies, you definitely should watch this. It is good. It it's, th- doesn't feel like just like a cheap money grab. Uh, I feel like, you know, they, they gave it enough time. It's been, you know, what, like 10 years now, 11 years. So it's not like, oh, let's just crank something out just to do it. Uh, they, you know, gave it enough time. They put put some thought into it, and I, I feel like they they did a good execution. You know, it, it is it is worthy to be you know Scream Five to, to be in the franchise. I it might be you know better than some of the other sequels. You know, I I really liked what they did, and you know it does keep you guessing. And you know some of the revelations, it's like okay, how does that ex- exactly work? You know that that's the kind of interesting thing, but it 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 makes sense. It, I guess it all fits. You know, when, when you really think about it. And that's something that I would like to talk about more, but I really don't want to get into spoilers, even though I know people can skip over it, but I don't know. So I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was good. And it does help to, to watch the other movies, obviously. You know, and for me, having watched all four just recently like that, that also helps to appreciate it even more. Um, is it crucial? Kinda. I mean, you if you've only seen the first one, I mean, you're fine. But it, it does help to to know. I mean, you don't. I guess you don't really need to see the other ones. But but it it's worth. They're all worth watching. So check it out. I hope it does well. You know, it had a twenty four million dollar budget, 
and I think it's projected at making like 20 million. Uh, some some outlets projected it a little higher, like 20, like 25 to 30 million, whatever. So hopefully it, it does well enough. Again, I don't know if we need a sequel or not. I I almost I'm kind of thinking no, because but they're probably going to do it at some point eventually. You know, don't but just don't don't push it. Don't yeah, don't do it unless you come up with a really good idea. So I don't know. And then it's like you know how uh, there's some crazy things. There's some some crazy deaths, some unexpected deaths. I'm just going to say. I guess I'll just say not everyone that you think is going to survive is going to survive because, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, there's certain characters, you know, main characters that are going to keep surviving these movies. But then they're probably kind of like, OK, it's time. You know, does so and so has been lucky all these movies. And that was just like, oh, man, that, that was kind of shocking. So I'm going to leave it at that. That was Scream. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I think you should see it. But on that note, I hope you really like this episode because that is going to be it. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Your help is needed and appreciated. Um, any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to that secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I am... Uh, recently talked about Hawkeye from 2012, the comic book that had a big um, influence on the Disney Plus series. And this week, I guess I could talk about it now. I guess I, after recording all this, I kind of thought about it in the back of my mind. I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to talk about the Resident Evil movie. I'm going to talk about uh, what what was the first one, 2002. So I think um, we'll, we'll we'll do some recap on, on that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G-Man from Heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash G-Man from Heck. Okay, so as I mentioned next week, I don't believe there's um, any any new movies coming out. Um, so... Peacemaker is going to be the the feature. There's four. Uh, there will be four episodes. So three episodes are out already, and then the, the fourth one will come out. So that'll be like a long, you know, focus on that. Um, there's also Archive eighty one that just came out on Netflix. Part of me is is wondering should I save that for the following week because I don't think there's anything coming out the following week either. Um, Servant, the M. Night Shyamalan Apple TV Plus show, that comes out on the 21st, which I think is Friday. I don't know if that will make it to next week's episode or not. So I'm going to have to decide, will I be able to keep up with those or am I going to have to do that the following week? Because if those drop, sometimes they drop like Thursday night, but then Peacemaker is also going to be Thursday. And Thursday is usually when I go to the movies. So I don't know. I might have to be a week behind, even though I hate being that far behind. So we'll have to see. And then as far as um, other TV, there'll be a Superman and Lois. Um, you know, Dexter's done. Um, there'll be Book of Boba Fett. But I don't think I can do Naomi or Legends. So I don't know. We'll see about that. But... Hopefully, you've had a good week. Hopefully, um, you had a good three-day weekend if you celebrate Martin Luther King Day. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're staying healthy. I hope you're staying safe. And I hope you really remember to be good to each other. 